Hello everyone and welcome to BXB's Bits and Bobs episode 18. We're back with a more traditional podcast compared to the last couple which were our game of the year extravaganzas but I do highly recommend going back and checking those out if you haven't seen them already. I am your host as always Benjamin Hall with me today we have PC Reviews Editor Adam Breeden. Hello everyone. We have Reviews Editor Richard Worrell. Good afternoon or whenever you're watching this hello. And we have with us Joel, our top contributor. I could use your full name if you like, Joel. I'm not sure I can remember your surname, though. Yeah, no, it's not that important. Cool. Um, hello, everybody. You like some anonymity. I understand. Because um, your likelihood is if you're doing the BXB Bits and Bobs podcast, you're probably going to make more enemies than friends. Uh, so you probably don't want to give out your full name. Um, so we're back. This is another episode. It is, we are chock a block with games episode um basically about about a week ago i got an email with 40 games in it for coverage and i nearly died um so that that, that like broke all records for most games received in a, in a single day uh, i'm not complaining i'm not complaining because some people will hear that and be like oh you can play about three games but that's that's a lot of games to play and i have been trying to play all of them pretty much uh and richard's played like one adam doesn't have an xbox no. Joel's played a couple though. Joel's helping yeah, out. Yeah, I've done which a few. I appreciate it. Joel's done hey, a couple. I actually might get one soon. Please, if you, if there will be games if you do. I am. Um, I now have uh, a, a bit more leeway to do uh, what I like. So yes, <laughs> might get an Xbox. Uh, you'll notice actually, yeah, that there's four of us today instead of the normal three. Uh, much like in the last couple of shows, uh, there were some scheduling snafus, but it's all worked out in the end. It just means you get another exciting voice to listen to. So you cannot complain. That's not allowed. Um, and I want to throw out this little advert at the top of the show. Um, obviously, uh, we talk about wrestling a little bit on this podcast, but we're, we're trying to make that stop now, which means there will be the first ever BXB so far untitled wrestling podcast coming in the next week or so uh, for your listening pleasure, because it's the Royal Rumble this weekend and we can't not talk about that. And we're all quite excited, except Joel, who has more sense. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> but that's coming up um and while while i'm at it make sure you head over to the website guys read joel's wonderful preview yeah, yeah. of pit people I mean, read richard's soon to appear review of something i can't even remember what he's playing I mean, read or watch my multiple things that i'm putting up i don't even remember what games i've talked about for the most part there's been so many of them and even check out and adam's stuff as well you know he did you did a game pre hive jump yeah we should jump, talk yes. about possibly later yeah. on the podcast i'm not sure exactly what we're going to talk about there's so many games we'll get to them in a minute but it's been a little while since we had a regular show so let's just talk a bit about what we've all been up to and what we've been enjoying over the last sort of two one two three four five weeks since you know the last proper podcast i've watched a lot of films what's everybody else been doing other than playing I've watched games a lot of films i watched a really good film this week the um, what'd you watch the shittest film title i've ever heard but a really good film the girl with all the gifts seen that, no it's right? based on a book by Kerry. i want to say something Kerry. mike Kerry. i heard it was based on a book and i'd be interested to know when that book came out whether it's before or after the last of us specifically <laughs> I see. Um, I, I also purchased this film on, on my Xbox, but I haven't actually watched it yet. I heard very good things about it, so that's why I, I picked it up, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, the ba it's, a, it's a zombie thing with a twist, isn't it? But let's not spoil yeah, it. Kind of the first zombie film to legitimately argue for human rights for the undead, so that was nice. <laughs> okay. Interesting. <laughs> okay, cool. I watched, um, I watched The Nice Guys, finally. 
which I don't know if you guys. I'm a big fan of Shane Black stuff. Do you know? Do you guys know Shane Black? Uh, then he wrote *Lethal Weapon* films. He did. Um, yeah, right. He was in. He was in *Predator*, uh-huh. the, the original *Predator* as an actor in that as well. So he acts as well as directs. But he did *Iron Man 3*. Uh, yeah, and the night *Predator*, guy with the glasses. I can't remember his name off the top of my. He dies really early on. Uh, yeah, I think he's I like the second to die, or the first uh, to die. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know who you mean as well. Nobody remembers the character's name though, because oh, I can't remember the character's name. Nobody remembers. I'm, that I'm character. just, I'm googling it. It's googling it. Live googling. It's exciting. Um, <laughs> the world we live in. But what, what really surprised me about um, the nice guys was that, um, what's that actor? God, it's Russell Crowe and. This is this is the best content. Good, this is awesome. good radio, guys, isn't it? That's, <laughs> it was good, but the actor in it was very funny. Whose name clearly has now All left right. me. And therefore, I can't really give him credit for it. But it was really good. Everybody should see the nice guys. If you like *Lethal Weapon* and you like sort of um, sort of wacky sort of '70s set crime and comedy and thrilleriness, it was just a very cool film. Um, and I'm just going to throw to somebody else because I'm making a fool of myself now. Um, so let's do that. Awesome games done quick. Ryan Gosling. Do you know how I just found out his name? This is funny. So my wife isn't even in the room, but she just Facebook messaged me, and it came up on my screen. Ryan Gosling was the actor's name Fine. but now awesome games done quick did happen and I've also watched a lot of that as well yes as well. Um, yeah mm. uh, Borderlands 2 though Joel I know that was your thing well that was uh one of the first ones I watched it was quite impressive I'm a big fan of Borderlands 2 so seeing some people glitch the absolute crap out the game and to complete it in one hour 43 was pretty impressive um particularly a specific glitch that allows you to equip the same weapon over and over again with all the stats stacking so they essentially take the the like level one sniper rifle they start off with just glitch it for a few minutes to equip it about 70 or so times and they can virtually kill anything uh for the first 20 or so levels in a single hit it's brilliant to watch uh highly entertaining um the other one I always really enjoy and I watch every year is the, the Super Metroid race they have. I love watching that one. And it's obviously it's their most popular one as well. So whilst that, they always put it kind of at the end of their schedule. And this year it was, I think they basically went from like 1.4 million to over 2 million just in the two hours that that was um, playing live. So uh, I, I just can't believe how much money there is. 2.2 million is a massive amount for just you know speed people watching speed running in games i think it's really impressive and they only raised just over a million the year before so every year it's just getting more and more and more it's really good yes yeah, huge isn't it yeah it's become this it's, yeah because mm. they do uh they do awesome games done quick then they do what summer games summer, yeah. summer games done quick yeah. yeah yeah and then they do and they do so it's twice a year um and yeah i usually only watch the runs for games i'm personally interested in so yeah. I, I usually watch the, i watch the doom one for example uh, Doom 2016 one, which I thought was which was fascinating to watch again with some of the most amazing kind of out of bounds glitching that I've ever seen in a game. Like just how crazy that some of that stuff is when they get completely outside of the level and they're walking along pieces of like you know um, sort of the structure of the level, but it, it's stuff you'd never normally mm. see. And how they break it often, it would seem quite commonly is with frame rates. Really, it's sort of glitching, isn't it? When they get yep. the frame rate up to 200 for FPS or 100 FPS or something, and that's just not what the game was designed to handle. And therefore, you can do all kinds of crazy shit with it, which I think is 
a lot of fun. I love all the stuff to do with like, oh, we're playing on patch 1.1 because in 1.2, this no longer works. And in 1.3, they broke it in this way. So we play with the patch 1.1 yeah. and you have to make it all go back to that and stuff like that. And I think all, all of that is just amazing. The community for it is huge, isn't it? I never, I don't think I ever realized until I started watching mm -hmm. things like Awesome Games Done Quick, how many gamers dedicate their times to breaking these games yeah. and actually just love, you know, getting behind the scenes of it and really smashing it to bits. I think it's, yeah, it's a great cause. Who was the charity they were raising for this year? Um, oh God, that's it was a cancer charity in the states. I don't. Well, it's always an American charity normally. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cancer charity. But one impressive thing is about it is uh, all the donations. <laughs> not Ryan Gosling. <laughs> it was not impressive about it. But um, what he are needs those... your money. <laughs> <laughs> he probably does. Uh, one of the most impressive things is that uh, all the donations go through PayPal direct to the charity, not even proxied through them. So uh, they literally get no money at all for what they do. They um, So I, I, how on earth they even fund hiring the venue? I don't know if that's donated to them and everything else, but obviously everyone, everyone all the participants and organizers just obviously pay for themselves to get there and take part. I think that's really impressive. I mean, talking about charity side of things, I'm never going to have the skill to do a speed run or anything like that. But I am every year it comes around extra life. And every year I think it would be quite cool to do 24 hours of streaming and, <laughs> and you know, get some get some money to charity for that. Uh, and then I, I then I look at that and go, I'm I'm in my 30s. I might die. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that anymore. Um, so but I think maybe maybe if we can try it, maybe this year, guys, maybe between us we could do a bxb extra life where we like hand off to each other just throwing it out there as a possibility i mean just you like, know. it's early days i think it comes around towards the end of the year doesn't it uh that so may maybe if we if, if i don't know I, I i volunteer adam for the two till eight in the morning run sure no problem uh, dude i could do i could do 24 hours alone <laughs> on xcom too that wouldn't be even, even be a problem that would just be a normal session of xcom 2 for me that would be fine <laughs> Fair enough. Well, good to know. Good to know where you're available. <laughs> so I think, I think, um, considering how much stuff we've got on the list here, I'm going to move us on to some right. of the news. Unless anybody else wanted to throw out, I wanted to jump in really quick and say I normally watch the videos of AGDQ rather than watch it live because it's kind of easier to kind of find the bits you want to see. Yeah, was the, I'm assuming there's, there was a task block this year. The the task block is always the best bit of AGDQ for me because you get to watch programmers properly fuck those games over. Um, I don't know if you saw it last year, but like someone basically, through activating glitches in Super Mario World, they were able to recode a game of Snake and Pong into it, with mm -hmm. Mario's head as the ball and two of the like, platforms as the bats. Like honestly, the shit you can do to Super Mario World is mind blowing. It's, yeah, I've seen some of them. It's impressive. They've uh, they've even got a bot that can. Um, and a script that they can run through that can make the original NES Mario Brothers yeah, yeah. in Super, Super Mario, Mario World. World. By glitching it, basically reprogram it's every sprite, reprogram yeah. the whole memory of the cartridge. That's Just crazy. By doing a simple buffer overrun, it's so impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had anyway. that kind of skill. That is awesome. But um, talking of games that show a lot of skill to develop, oh, maybe that works. We'll see. Uh, there was a new Mass Effect trailer that came out this week. Now I know I use every excuse oh. possible <laughs> to bring up Mass Effect Andromeda. I, I literally. They can sneeze on, on something, and I will be like, ah, newsworthy. Uh, let's talk about that on the podcast. I am starting to get hyped, though my concern about this game is still valid, that it doesn't seem to be doing anything new yet. 
But does it need to do anything new? I guess is the question. Do you guys excited for this? Is it getting you hyped? Have you seen the trailer? No. Uh, I, well, I, yeah, I've seen the trailer. Uh, I like the original trilogy of Mass Effect. I felt that, uh, you know, I think the first game I really the effort they went to to building up the universe of all the background reading and everything in the first game was exceptional um and obviously i think they narrowed the gameplay down to make it more attractive to a wider audience in the the third and the second games uh so i am looking forward to andromeda but I'm, all i'm expecting really is a, a kind of very simple game with a strong story um I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get overhyped about it. Yeah, the get as in gameplay, it's going to be. I think it'll be very similar to to free, um, with you know a strong story to to go along it. That's what I get. That's what I'm expecting. I, my my hope right now is that the marketing is playing it very safe because they want to keep stuff, you know, for the release. That's what I'm hoping. Whether or not that plays to be true or not, we will we will find out. But I, I'm really praying that this is a case of let's leave stuff for those people who are excited for that game day one to discover um, so that the whole plot isn't revealed, that you haven't seen. Like they, they showed a bunch of new the new squad mates in the new trailer, uh, but they've also said that isn't all of your squad. You know, there will be more characters for you to discover. There will be more people for you to recruit. Um, yeah, I'm just a little bit concerned that it, it does seem to be playing it so safe. Um, but you know, we'll see in, I guess about six weeks, seven weeks time. So I know I'll be playing it on EA access as well. So when it, when it goes out a bit early to everybody for that 10 hours, um, I am excited to do that as well. Anyway, the rest of you not, well, that's fine. You're wrong. Hmm? What was that rich? Is it six weeks away? Uh, it's the end. Well, no, it's, I'm trying to work out. It's the end of March. So it's about... Is that soon? I thought it was like May or something. No, it's end about, of March. Yeah, eight weeks away, I think. Yeah, so it's not it's not that far. It's not that far. It's coming up. Uh, be around the time. Oh, it'll be the, the it's the month of the switch, isn't it? Yeah. I guess I, I'm going to mention that uh, I had a switch pre-ordered. I cancelled my pre-order. Why did wow. you spend? So, yeah. What was that, Rich? Why, why on earth did you do this? Why? Because I don't think there's any games I want to play at launch, basically, and I can spend my money on other things that way. So. That is kind of the problem. Yeah, I have similar feelings about the Switch. I'm excited for the print concept. Mm-hmm. I like the platform, but you know, that games list, you know, if you're not a big-time old-school Nintendo fan, you know, you're playing Zelda on relaunch, a couple of weeks later you get Mario Kart. If, if they don't float your boat, I don't know what you get a Switch for at the moment. I'll tell, well, like... tell you what, you get Zelda on launch, and then a couple of weeks later, get Mario Kart. Fair what enough. You people? Fair enough. <laughs> uh, by, by the way, Rich, you're, you're very quiet. I don't know if you can do anything about that, but I'm, we're stru- I'm struggling to hear you. Um, but yeah, that's how I thought I'd just say that. Anyway, on new news, new news, more news, Square Enix has announced they're doing a Marvel Avengers game. Now, that's interesting. I mean, you look at that and you go, oh, well, a, a movie tie-in, whatever. They, they always suck. But I think it's interesting because Marvel games, um, for some time now, their only tie-ins have been like phone games, iOS games, Android games. Uh, and the fact that they've got a big deal in place now with Square Enix, who are going to be using Crystal Dynamics, the team behind Tomb Raider, and Iodos Montreal, the, ty- the team behind the Deus Ex games, team behind the Deus Ex, Deus Ex games. And they're going to be teaming up to make uh, an Avengers game, which is going to be the beginning of a long partnership um, with Marvel creating new video games that seem to be standing alone um, within the Marvel Universe. And I think that's... 
that's pretty interesting. I'm kind of excited to see what it is. It's obviously going to be a few years before we see this game or even more about this games. Um, but I think it's it's pretty cool. What do you guys think about this news? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. Well, I I, I, yeah. I think I guess like I know in the movie world that Marvel actually write all the films themselves and then they basically sell the script to a production company to to make it. I'm wondering if maybe there's a similar uh, thing happening here. Perhaps they've written the game and as in the story for the game and have now sold that on to a publisher to push forward with. So could be quite good, could be quite bad. I don't know. <laughs> Cool. Hedging his bets there on that one. Um, fair news. I mean, it's very early days. There isn't a lot to say, but I think it's still, it could be, you know, to see like, it could be like a properly awesome licensed game, which we haven't had in quite a while. Um, and when you see all these massive films that are making a billion dollars at the box office, and there isn't a game, you know, to go home and play. It, it does seem like a missed opportunity. So I think, you know, if they can really nail that, it could be exciting. And the, and the, the teaser seems to imply uh, the Avengers have been taken out in some way. So my thinking is perhaps something related to Infinity War part one or part two, which is coming up in a couple of years time. So maybe then we'll, we'll get a sort of a release date around there, you know, where the main Avengers are taken out. Um, so that could be uh, exciting. Clearly you guys aren't as much of a comic book nerd as me. So that's fair <laughs> enough. I'll move us along. Now, Richard, I put this in because you seem quite excited about this month's coming games with gold games. I wasn't that impressed with the list, but you seemed quite hyped about it. So what was, what caught your eye? Um, can you hear me properly now, by the way? I was yes, yeah, much better. So. Right. Um, I was excited more for the fact that I don't own these games, which mm. seems to be the uh, regular occurrence when Games for Gold are announced. But Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time is a game that I've almost bought at least three times. When it's it's very good. Real. I've played it. It's very good. Yeah, good. I have so that. I'm yeah. looking forward to trying that. Project Cars, again, is another one that everyone says is great. And I've not had a reason to buy it because Forza exists. So <laughs> yep. I'll, I'll enjoy playing that. Can't remember what else there is. What was the three? Monkey games? Island and Force Unleashed. Force Unleashed. Haven't played that. And You've Star never played Force Unleashed. Unleashed? No. Star Wars is good again these days. So that, will that be is a fun to try. That is a fun Star Wars game. You get to have Uber over the top force powers, yeah. which is uh, quite enjoyable. Kind of like yeah, over the top, very silly. Good fun game though, yeah. Very, and it was like Monkey Island, yeah. Uh, is that Monkey Island Two? It's Two, I think, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Which I do I like the picture. So, nobody, five. nobody cares. A sequel to Monkey Island, yeah. No, great. Um, Richard, are you in the are you in the preview program on Xbox? Yes. Have you been playing around with the new guide? No, I hadn't oh. noticed there was a new guide. What's in the new guide? Well, they've they've done some changes, right? You know how it was double tap on the the button at the top to bring up the guide. That's gone. Now it's a single tap, and that brings up the guide instead of taking you home. Uh, and then you can choose to go home from it. Plus, you've got a bunch of new features in the guide to do with like your pins uh, and things like that now appearing. Uh, clearly, it's had a massive impact on your gaming, as you haven't noticed <laughs> its existence I don't whatsoever. Know if I then, because I I would normally notice. I wonder if they've just not included me in the first wave. Uh, I got a message saying I'm uber special and awesome, which is why I was in it. So I didn't get it. Thankfully, I go on. I was going to say, I was going to say they've got rid of the snap feature. I believe is that correct? Yeah, people are up in arms about the snap being taken out. And what what it is is, I, th I think by the time this goes out to everyone, their replacement for snap will will have been revealed and will be part of the proper um, update. And what they're doing is the it's not a rumor. It's basically, you know, they've talked about it. They're doing proper picture in picture. 
um so you're gonna you're gonna be able to have instead of snap you know the tv window mm-hmm. um overlaid instead of obscuring uh you know how a snap would do wouldn't it? it would shrink your screen yeah but keep the ratio so instead of that it's just going to be picture in picture which is just going to sit over the game playing in the background as it were um you can choose where it goes as well I don't know the details about that. I would assume so. Yeah, I would assume that'll be something you could do. Yeah, um, it's going to specifically always block a, a perfect area of your HUD, so you'll never know how much health or ammo you have left, will you? <laughs> I don't. I mean, it's weird seeing. I, I'm on the preview forums as well, and seeing everybody freaking out about the like the removal of snap and stuff. I'm like, seriously, like, do you guys really use that? I mean, who the fuck uses <laughs> I think this? I don't. I don't personally use it, and in fact, I find it quite annoying when I go to launch another app and it snaps first before going full screen. I find that a pain in the butt. But I think there are people who use their Xboxes for TV with the tuner, and I mm-hmm. think for them, it's really important. No, because I do that and never no, right. use Snap. Ever. I Ever. I occasionally do it, and the other day it didn't work, which is really annoying. Because now, now when you ask it to snap TV, it says, do you mean TV or TV and movies? And, like... TV, please, Cortana. And then she'll just repeat the same thing. <laughs> so I gave up. I don't think it's um, meant to work on the current build that I'm on. So it be interesting to see what they change it to. But yeah, I think maybe I've dropped off, actually, since I've got my new Xbox. That's probably the thing, isn't it? I don't if you don't enroll it, you won't get yeah. it. Yeah. Be the problem. I, I, I've, got, I've got two Xboxes. And what I've done is my primary one, I've kept it off of that. Uh, and then my secondary one, which I mostly use just to watch TV, I put it on that because it it's not such a problem if that breaks and I can't play games, whereas it would be a big problem if the other one breaks because I'm trying to play 200 games right now. Um, so <laughs> that would be awkward. Uh, but anyway, it's good to see, you know, basically Xbox are always innovating the dash and the guide and trying to listen to feedback. It's like people saying, snap, shit, we don't want snap. They get rid of snap. People go, oh, we want snap, you fuckers. You took away snap. And it's just like, make up your fucking minds, you dozy prats. They're great at announcing new features and getting you excited about what's going to change. But invariably, that comes along with a long period of taking features away first and then just <laughs> testing your patience before the good stuff comes. <laughs> That happens a lot with Microsoft. Well, this is what makes me laugh, right? So th- this preview build is out now only to the very a sol- very select group within the Insider. So it's not all everybody yet, even. It's just uh, I think they've got it. They've got rings now to it, like different buckets where the people go based on the feedback, based on using the forums and stuff like that. And I generally give a lot of feedback and use the forums quite a lot. So that's probably why I'm in it. But um, so th- these people are like the hardcore, and they're still bitching. And it's just like, guys, you've accepted this alpha build, basically. Yeah. Stop fucking moaning about the stuff that's not there. You know, they're, they're doing it. So it's just like, yeah, get, get a grip, you twat. Uh, it does annoy me that. It's me. <laughs> people on the internet, man. There's a reason we got rid of our forums, because all they were were people bitching. And it's just like, it, it, fuck off. Like, just, we don't, no, you don't need that. It doesn't help that the Xbox forums are a pile of horseshit now they've really broken them um like the, the way they've been redesigned it's not exactly user-friendly but anyway we have to mention this little bit of news before we get into our bevy of games because it was by the developers play dead of our game of the year last year which was vxp's game of the year inside and they have teased a new game with a single not even screenshot with a single bit of concept art because uh, i believe play dead have said they're going to try and release games more frequently uh, instead of like the five years between Limbo and Inside or wherever it was. Um, and, you know, we don't know anything about it except that it's a screenshot 
and it look or not a screenshot it's concept art and it oh. looks pretty and it's a guy on a mountain and seemingly like a meteor crashing or a comet or something coming into the atmosphere and i think the thing that i i noticed the most from this piece of concept art is that uh, limbo and inside both have a very claustrophobic feel to them whereas this feels very considerably more open um and has a different tone to it maybe than what we'd expect from play dead uh you guys all seen it have you guys i've seen it i mean i, I don't want to shit on anyone's uh cornflakes but it's a piece of concept art it just tells you literally nothing i bet you there's inside concept art that had the character viewed from behind or showed a much broader sweep of the environment and then when you make the game you make it into an off day like i don't think you i literally don't think you know anything about this game from this concept art except that it's going to be a bit you know chilly that's all you know i think <laughs> well then it is play dead this might be the entire plot of the game could be could be <laughs> I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong i love play dead good luck to them brilliant yeah. glad they're making a new game um but man like this is this is desperation levels. <laughs> all these, all these um, sites that are carrying this image, going, oh, let's speculate for like two hundred two thousand words about what this might mean. It means a dude drew a thing, is what it means. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's one of the one of the beautiful things about the fact that BXB we don't really post news on the site because we don't believe in clickbaity bullshit like that. Yeah. Uh, which is that's that's all it is. It's, it's you know you're getting hits because it's guys that the guys that made Insight and people are still very into that. And you know it's like talked about the game of the year. Oh god, they released concept art. We can get loads of hits off of this, which isn't how we do things at BXB. Um, so you know I, I'm excited. There's a game in development. Yeah. I'm excited it's not going to be three years before even a game is mentioned about being in development. So, you know, we know this exists. We know this is coming. We maybe will have it in two years. We'll maybe have it in three years. It might still be six years. Who knows? <laughs> um, but like you said, yeah, concept art don't mean jack. Uh, I got uh, I got the concept art book for Doom over Christmas, and there's tons in there that doesn't exist in the game. Exactly. So it's like, it genuinely doesn't mean anything. But it's nice to... Yeah. That's it. It's nice. It's nice. Okay. One final piece of news that happened this morning, and I feel like people are going to go, oh, that's not video game related, but it is because this amazing thespian also did some voice acting in three different video games. So that's my justification for popping this in here, and it's the incredibly sad news that John Hurt died this morning. Um, and I just wanted to mention that because he's a brilliant British actor. Uh, and I was going to ask you guys what performance you most remember of his, and mine, and I'm going I'm to take the easy one, but it's definitely the one that stuck with me over the years uh, is his amazing role in Alien. Um, you know, he's the man that introduced us to Alien, the Alien itself. Without his character in that film, we wouldn't have that franchise. Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, you can't overstate the importance of John Hurt and Interesting Alien. use of the word introduce. I mean, I suppose he does. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I didn't want to spoil what happened in Alien if you hadn't seen it. It makes so, an entrance, you know, <laughs> and an exit as well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, fantastic scene. I mean, we're talking about the chestburster scene there. Yeah, yeah. Um, unbelievably iconographic, just like that. Well, that'll stick with you. Well, I remember I saw it when I was about ten, and uh, yeah, I, I never forgot that image. Put it that way. Um, all about you guys. I mean, other great performance of his, obviously, Elephant Man. Um, just, just astounding. Don't take Alien, then throw to us for more John Hurt films. You know fully well. <laughs> Four video game nerds, we know him from Alien. That's what we know. Well, maybe uh, you know is a, doc a Doctor Who fan amongst us recently, of course. He was the war doctor in the new Doctor Who stuff. You know, so he's been acting right up until <laughs> until recently. So it's not like he was obscurity. No, no. 
1984? Yeah. Yes, he was. Right. Played the main role. Very good. A great adaptation as well. But no, fair enough. I just want to mention it. It's always sad. And look, we were all hoping 2017 wasn't going to be like 2016, where all the great people died. But it hasn't been a fantastic start. Oh, my Lord. So far, has Sorry, it? Sorry, I, I just realized he was the voice of Hazel in Watership Down as well. Oh, that's, wow. that, that cuts me deep. That's what <laughs> childhood favorite films. That scene, man, that gets, Warship Down gets yeah. brutal. Yeah, I mean, that that's mm, that proved that animation isn't just for kids, didn't it, to the West. Mm. That was the thing I think that shocked a lot of people at the time when that came out. I remember that. Yeah, that was pretty. <laughs> yeah, that and Legend of the Overfiend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Legend of the Overfiend. That's it's taken classic. me back. Kids mm. That's got a great plot. Don't remember the plot <laughs> at all. Was there a plot? Pretty sure there was a plot. There's yeah, a plot. There's, it's kind of like trying to watch a Kieran now. Like, there's a plot you can follow for the first half, and then there's just a lot of things exploding, and it doesn't make any sense for a very long time. <laughs> anyway, just wanted to mention John Hurt dying, but somehow we were talking yeah. about tentacle rape. But hey, cool, good time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the BXB Bits and Bobs podcast. It's called Bits and Bobs for a reason. Uh, <laughs> right, moving on. Let's talk about. The many, 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 many video games we've all been playing over the last few weeks. Who would like to start? Who's got Who's got the balls to kick us off? I'm going to go to Richard and Shan. Rise and Shine. Do you want to talk about Rise and Shine? Yeah, because I reviewed it. You've you been playing that. it. Yeah. I played that. I finished it this morning. Jesus! Wow, you enjoyed that. I did enjoy that shit. It's amazing. I'm glad really you got good. to play that as well, then, mate. Yeah, it's really good, isn't it? Should we? Should we, I mean, it might actually be a bit fresher in your mind because I played it about two weeks ago now, I guess. Um, so that I'm, a, I'm a getting a bit rusty if you. But do you want to give the overview? Yeah, it's a platform shooter, although not really. It's more of a puzzler. So it feels like Limbo if you had a gun. And if the graphics were a bit like Braid, and it's got that sort of quality bar as well. So it's really, really polished. And although you do have a gun, it's more about one-on-one um, -on -one encounters with enemies for, for much of it. And working out the best way to use the special powers that your gun has. So it's not just shooting. You've got a charged bullet, a regular bullet, got remote control bullets explosive bullets and you use these all in a particular way to solve environmental puzzles um, it's um, been put out by adult swim games yeah, yeah. and i, I can't go to the developer um but it's got they've got a long convoluted name so, yeah, it's like yeah. super awesome hyper games or something like that isn't it like yeah yeah it's good we're good we're good we're good video game journalists nailing it uh, something like that. Sounds like fart. It's in your uh, review, so they can go to that on the website, can't they? It is in my review, yeah. So please check that out. But yeah, I I also really enjoyed the the framing of the game in this. Yeah. What do they call it? Ga game game Earth. Earth. Yeah. Game yeah. Earth. It's game Earth, where it's like all the video game characters live on this planet, and and but you as the player are also acknowledged as they call. Do they call the what are you referred to as the the the, sh the shepherd, the controller? Yeah, something like that you something like that, yeah yeah and you're and you're kind of like you're guiding rise which is the name of the little the boy 
um, through the world uh, of video game, which has been like invaded by, and this invasion has basically been led by Marcus Phoenix, who's now become a dick. <laughs> and he's like a complete ass hat, and he's also your father. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, and then you've got Mario in there, and he and he gets killed, and it's like, and Ze- oh, Le- uh, Link gets killed really early on, and it's like all these like legendary video game characters, but they're all changed just enough so that they're not IP infringement, yeah. which I think is which is brilliant to watch. Just like how much have they changed it? But also they've not changed them a lot, so I think it's more of a case of fuck you. Do you really want to take issue with this? I mean, um, it really is close to the to the bone with some of them. Mm, There's a whole mm-hmm. level based on Princess Peach's castle. You've got um, like statues of Peach, and the whole castle's just fucked. There's like dead dead bodies everywhere. Find Mario's body eventually. Um, <laughs> it's even got the dog from Duck Hunt in there. Did you find that, Ben? Uh, yes, I did. I think yes, yes. Yeah, so you can kill the dog from Duck Hunt. Uh, but he come he turns up in like proper pixelated form so there's a real sort of uh, play between next gen games and old school quality video games is the message really that it was better in the old days because uh, you talked about marcus phoenix being in it it's not just someone who looks a bit like marcus phoenix he's pretty much exactly the same as him deliberately mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so i think yeah at the, at the end it's revealed his name is mark cole um, sort of a bastardization of <laughs> characters from Gears, and he's from yeah. Planet Next Gen, and they're coming <laughs> to destroy all the um, old school game ideas. <laughs> so it's um, it becomes really explicit towards the end. It's really it's fun, it? it's weird because sometimes when you get that, you groan and you're like, oh, this is so fucking on the nose, and it's just like this is the most derivative bullshit, and you think you're being clever, but really you're being a bit. You're being a dick. You're pandering. But this this balances it, the writing and the humor uh, and the tone of it so well that it isn't another Matt Hazard. It, it, it's definitely, uh, you know, it really feels genuine and it comes from a place of love and reverence for it rather than cheap cash in and, and things like that. That with the, like you said, the art style is really cute and fun and evocative. And I really like your gun, Shine, as well. He's got like a real sassy sarcasm to him and he's always just like telling you how shit you are and how and how rise in particular the, the great thing is rise this little kid would be shit if it wasn't for you the gamer and they acknowledge the fact that he's basically being controlled and made to be good because of you know you in a way it's like what we were talking about a little bit with inside remember when we were talking about game of the year the whole idea of making the player an active participant within the narrative it, it really helps bring you into the experience in a in a fun way that does genuinely feel different uh, and i yeah and it's also polished and so well made the shooting just feels great like and the platforming feels really really good as well it's hard though isn't it richard it is like it's really hard it's, it's one of punishing those, it's a death counter yeah. on it, so that gives you a clue as to what the vibe's going to be but it's very hard mm. um, maybe to drag it out a bit because it's not very long either no. i think there were maybe 11 12 stages and some of those are maybe a couple of screens, maybe even a single screen sometimes. It's not very big at all, but um, long enough. Long enough yeah. and challenging enough that it feels like you've, you've had your fill at the end and it's satisfying. Yeah, the, it feels like you've got your money's worth, doesn't it? And it's really good. It's really good. Way. Did you, um, we'll move on to the next one. Um, did you have a chance to play Siegecraft Commander at all? I haven't played it yet, no. Okay. I, I intended to play both and then got totally sucked into Rise and Shine. I couldn't put it down until I'd finished the whole thing. So. Okay, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on Siegecraft Commander, but I'll just quickly... Um, 
give it give it its due. Um, basically, Zhukov's commander is an RTS with a kind of heavy bent towards tower defense and an interesting. We'll go with an interesting control method. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with interesting. Um, so instead of like you know moving a curse around and placing your tower like you would in, in you know in a normal tower defense game or you know on the touch screen you know tapping where you want your tower to go, you fling it. So you kind of it makes more sense if you watch my video review, but you propel the tower um, using the analog sticks from another tower you've built or your home base, which is where you start on the level, and that then fires out and it, in an arc and lands, and that's where the tower then springs up. And then between the two towers, you have a connecting wall. That sounds all right, doesn't it? First problem comes from the fact that you're being, you're being expected to do this um, with the analog sticks. And you need to be precise. Because if this tower lands on an enemy building, an enemy wall, a tree, a rock, something the geometry doesn't like, anything at all, it won't work. It will blow up. And you have to do it again. And again. And again. And again. And that was my experience with this game. And then it gets worse because once you start closing in on the enemy, they're doing the same thing. So they'll throw out a tower and you'll throw out a tower. And then you'll try and throw out a tower, but it will land on their tower. And then they'll destroy your tower. And then your towers, you start again. You do it again. And it, it's, it, I think it, it gets easier as you go along. But the onboarding process is the most frustrating thing in the world. And I think the reason for this is this game originally is a VR game on PC. And imagining the control of this using motion sensitive, you know, Vive controllers rather than analog sticks, it makes a lot more sense. It would be a much more involved experience. You'd feel it'd be a much more fun experience because you're in the environment more uh, and you're going to be able to do it like more tactilely, you know, with, you know, pulling back the Vive controllers and releasing and things like that. Whereas when you play it in 2D or 3D, I should say, but, you know, on the 360, not using VR, um, on the Xbox One, not the 360, I travel back in, travel back in time there a little bit. Um, it just feels, yeah, like it, it doesn't work. It's not fun. It's, it doesn't have a, a unique feel to it. It just feels like it hasn't been thought out. Um, and it's incredibly frustrating. And that's why I wanted Richard to play it, because I wondered if that was just me um, being shit. And not being good at the game, or if this was poor game design, it does seem quite kind of poor game design to me. As well as the fact that the levels and the uh, the maps you're playing on are incredibly uninspired and just really boring. Like often, you know, heavily sort of designed towards the enemy's benefit. So you're always fighting uphill against the odds, and and it just there's a mechanic in it where um, in your tower chain, if you're previous tower so you've got tower a then you build b then you build c from b if a is destroyed you lose all the subsequent towers oh, so everything gets destroyed so you can find yourself stretching out and expanding to try to get to the enemy and then they'll land a lucky shot on one of the earlier towers and that will all be destroyed in addition to launching towers using this control method you also launch direct attack projectiles so when you're trying to shell something by guessing the amount of power you should put into the stick, how far you should pull it back, you know. And in, a, in an analog stick, there's not a lot of throw, really, is there? So, that, you know, the difference between a half pullback and a third and three quarters, it's not a great deal. So, you know, trying to be precise with that control method is incredibly difficult and extremely frustrating. 
Um, I like the ideas and it's got a fun enough sort of wraparound kind of comedy fantasy storyline, which is fine. Uh, and the concepts are great, but I really want to like it because I, I like RTSs and that kind of game on console. I like it when developers try to do that. Yeah, that basic control method, just it just doesn't work. It didn't work for me anyway. So that's why I only gave it two stars. So yeah, that's Siegecraft Commander. Oh, I need a break. Who wants to talk? Rich, uh, Adam, Adam. How's, right. how's that Caterpillars game you were playing? Like the book? So, Caterpillars, is it? Is no, it like that? It's not like the book. Not so, like um, It's called She Dreamed. She Remembered Caterpillars, I think it's called. Yes. Which straight away sort of, you know, if you, when you load up a game and that's the title, you kind of know you're in kind of artsy um, indie game sort of territory. And the actual, it's a puzzle game. The actual gameplay is you have these little avatars in a kind of leafy planty sort of world and there's various patches of land and they're connected by bridges or pathways and some of these bridges are caterpillars and the caterpillars are all color-coded and your characters are color-coded and so you get this simple system of red characters can cross red bridges red characters cannot go past red barriers um, blue characters cannot cross red bridges but blue characters can go through red barriers and so it's a kind of color-coded sort of mazy find the path thing um very quickly the levels become quite complex um often it's a question of kind of figuring out which of the home positions you're trying to get these characters to each character can reach and often they'll be like there's only one character can reach that home position so logically they have to be the one to go there and then it's just working out the sequence of moves that lets everyone get to where they need to go then it gets really complicated because they introduce the concept of color mixing. You can smush your red and blue dude together and make an orange dude. And orange dudes are like a combination of red and blue. So an orange dude can go across a red bridge because it's got red in it. And an orange dude can go across a blue bridge because it's got blue in it. But an orange dude can't go through red or blue barriers because both of those barriers block some aspect of that character. Does this make any sense? Yeah, Maybe yeah, this makes yeah, yeah. sense. <clears throat> the problem, perhaps, is that in play, you very quickly kind of... It's very hard to keep in your head how the color mixtures actually work. So at some point, you're looking at a level and you go, oh, I've got this green dude. I wonder if he can go through a blue barrier. I don't remember. I have no fucking clue. So there's a lot of kind of trial and error as you just try to keep all of these rules in your head for all these odd color mixtures. Um so I end up in this odd space with the game where I don't actually like it. It's clearly a good game. Like, it's really beautifully kind of put together. It's very, very attractive to look at. I, I like the art style a lot. It's sort of trying to do something interesting. It's a unique puzzle mechanic. I've not played a mechanic like this before. Um, the puzzles are quite deviously designed. They all seem to only have one solution. And there's a, some nice, like, aha, eureka-type moments in there. But very quickly, I just reached a level where it's like... I don't really know how to solve these levels. Like, I can't puzzle them. It ends up just being a kind of brute force trial and error sort of approach. And, yeah, it's sort of not for me, really, but clearly a good game. So it's going to be a fun one to do a video review of because, I, you know, I don't feel justified in really giving it a slag in because it is obviously good, and I'm sure there are people out there who will really, really enjoy it. It's definitely not a game for me, though. I find it quite frustrating to play. Oh, fair enough. I mean, I, I remember looking at some of the shots of it before I sent you away, and it, it looks nice. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's got a real kind of interesting, quirky style. It's kind of fungusy and sort of planty, and 
And when you complete a level, all the characters on the home pads that you're trying to get them to, they like sprout a little sycamore seed style helicopter head and all fly off up to the next one. And it's kind of a nice little moment. So there's lots of like charm there, you know, it's really nicely done. Um, beautiful music, great sound design. Just man, it's just a pain in the ass to play. <laughs> <laughs> no, I look forward to seeing your full review of that, man. I yeah, mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it'll be an interesting dive into things. Joel. Ah, so what shall I start with? Um, go, well, go with the, I want to know about the N64. I want to know about the N64. I want to know about oh, I'll start with the N64 then. So, I want to know. I want uh, to know. N64 is probably my favorite console ever. Um, not because it's probably the greatest console ever, but more just because it's the one I had when I was a kid and we all used to play together. It's, it, I has most of my sentimental childhood memories are attached to that thing um so anyway um but i i have it out and i do play on it often but the problem i have is that on modern flat screen tvs when you plug the the classic old analog connectors into the back the picture looks appalling the colors are awful these consoles are all designed with some sort of special trickery that meant they depended on how uh, old crt tv so the old tvs had the big backs on them how they would work um, so when you get them on a modern digital display, they they just the colours are all washed. It just looks awful. It's like really oversaturated. It depends on how your the processing in your TV works, basically. But none of them make a good effort of it. So um, some time ago, some clever people basically worked out um, like if you actually open up the N64 and you look at the circuit board, you can see the graphics to the chip, the what they called the reality coprocessor back then, and um, all the little pins that come out of it they've managed to work out which ones of those little pins output the various bits the zeros and ones that make up the color data for each pixel along with uh some information that tells you about when you know this 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 series of like 32 sort of zeros and ones is this pixel and that pixel so they figured that all out what that meant is that um first of all some people made an rgb mod which meant you could get a slightly better picture out of it but secondly some people have actually fully engineered this little a little board basically which gives you a hdmi port when you're in 64 so it taps straight off the back of the graphics chip uh gets all the data and allows you to basically plug it in through a hdmi port um run it at well, you can't run it at modern resolution but it'll upscale uh, internally to output onto your tv but they've also built in loads of good effects and things for cleaning up the color um and that kind of stuff so basically it allows you to get the best picture out of your n64 that you you possibly can with completely accurate color data. It's it's really impressive that it's expensive. It cost me quite a lot to have my console posted away and what uh, some somebody with like really good soldering skills um, put this on. But basically, yeah, you turn my console on, you can press a, a specific sequence of buttons on a controller, which will bring up a special menu that allows you to configure if you want it to be at 720p or 1080p, or if you want to go with retro mode, which will output at whatever the game's currently doing. So that'll be somewhere between what, you know, people probably know as 480p, which is the NTSC resolution or the PAL one, which is 576. Um, and it's got loads of other things to correct PAL. So it'll do remove the pillar boxing, the letter boxing. It'll do some, you know, scaling and stuff. It's, it's a really clever little thing. And you can fine tune the colors if you like you can add and remove scan lines you can fine tune the position on the screen it's got a lot of tweaks in there that you can do and it's it's really it's made me quite happy i've played a few games with it so far um i've had a bit of teething problems with um it's got sort of an for pal consoles it's got a sort of auto correcting mode because 
PAL games used to basically have the back bars at the top and the bottom, which is what we've called yeah. letterboxing. So it's got some built-in um, stuff that's supposed to pick up, detect, auto-detect that kind of mode and, and um, do some adjustment for PAL. Um, but I was like, for example, I was playing Turok 2 and some sort of the initial loading screens in that seem to um, cause it to trip out a bit. So the scaling gets all a bit wrong, but it kind of corrects itself by the time the game starts. So it's not perfect per se. Um, but yeah, so far I've uh, I've been really enjoying it. It's, so, a, it's a lot more than what I thought you would Even though you're playing Turok 2. Ah, uh, yeah. There's nothing <laughs> like going back to sort of 12 frames a second games and remembering, you know, how how, how better life is now, per se. But... Yeah, good old days. Yes, Question 12 frames per second. Hmm. The, that sounds really cool, but thinking back to when I was playing on the N64, that was that console was known for its really terrible textures. So does this not just make them look even worse from how clearly clearly bad they are? Because there was uh, kind of a softening effect to CRT TVs, wasn't there? That yes. Kind of yeah. So that off. You can toggle that on and off. That's basically one of the settings. So you can choose for it to do some sort of um, kind of replicate some of the old smoothing you would get for free from a CRT TV, basically. Or you can turn it off and see it looking remarkably pixelated. It's quite funny. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, it doesn't change the game in any way. It doesn't make it's not like running it on an emulator on your PC and a HD texture pack. It's just the original unaltered game. Um, and you can look at it slightly more pixely, or you can uh, sort of apply some scale, um, smoothing effects to make it look slightly better. But I think the, the most important thing it achieves is the color accuracy, basically. So can you get it for other consoles as well? I'm thinking specifically GameCube, because that would be awesome. So the same company uh, does do a GameCube mod for a HDMI port on your GameCube, although I was going to say I've I've got a I've got a component cable for my GameCube and I just use that if I want to play it or just play um, use the component cable on a Wii uh, that gets you equally as good good picture really. Yeah, I mean it's uh, I was just saying earlier is that it's, uh, it sounds like they've done a lot more work than just you know an adapter for the cable connection, which is quite mm. impressive that there's so much has gone into it. Um, I didn't realize that when you told me this was something you were getting, it was going to be something as complex with as many options as that. That's a really cool little thing to have put on there um i want to know though how much are we talking give me a ballpark i i paid about 240 pounds to to have the wow. mod done so i think the part itself costs about 120 um they're quite short supply so um and then obviously postage was there and back was about 20 quid and then to pay someone with really good soldering skills to actually do the mod for me um yeah it was about 100 quid so yeah, two about two hundred and forty all in. It cost me. You really do love your N sixty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if if you really love the console and you know you you want to do this, it's yeah, it's a definite must have. But um, if you're not, if you like the games, uh, you know, you're probably better off with an emulator or getting some of the virtual console, for example. You know, it's you've got to be a massive fan to want to drop that much cash on it. Obvious, obviously, though, uh, everybody here at BXB only um, condones getting emulated software if you own the physical mm. copy of it originally. Uh, and still do. Obviously, that's very important. Otherwise, naughty you mm. playing emulated games. Who does that? Nobody does that. It's terrible. Nobody would do that. Shocking, shocking Never. behaviors. Never yeah. did it. That's not how I played Pokemon Red. No. Don't be silly. I have, I have no idea what the Japanese propulsion is. I have never <laughs> played a game where I have needed to know that. 
<laughs> Speaking of, did you see the story about, was it one of Nintendo's own games they think is a, a rip of a ROM that, uh, that was dumped by someone else? That I they, heard that. Yeah. yeah. What's this? No, I've not heard about this. Too. Was it the original Mario game, Super Mario Brothers, the ROM for that that they're selling on the Nintendo eStore is a hacked ROM that they've found themselves and just decided to sell sell that as their legit version. Instead of going to the effort of actually doing it themselves. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> I, well, it's industrious. I'll give them that. Why? Why? Somebody's already pirated this. It's our shit. We might as well use it. I love it. That's I that's brilliant. The idea of the pirate themselves getting indignant about their work being... Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> I put in hours of work. You... Are, oh. Oh. Yeah. That, no legs. Just, no, you're right. None. None. I can't stand on that. No. Um, no, that would be that would be that would be amazing. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back in with the game now because we've got a lot to get through, lots and lots and lots. I think we should, me and Richard should talk about the big one, the big release of the last couple of weeks, Resident Evil Seven oh, yeah. Biohazard, as they're calling it. Um, well, I'm I'm reviewing it currently on Xbox One. I know Richard has been playing on PlayStation using PlayStation VR as well. He is a braver man than me. Because I I find these games, especially the start of this game, was quite was quite scary. Definitely makes you jump a few times. Um, but we're not going to talk about spoilers. But basically, this is Resident Evil first person shooter. Um, I think it's fair to say. I mean, it it is surprisingly actually right. Okay, first of all, I am not a massive fan of the Resident Evil series. I I quite like them. I never really played one. Never really played two. Never really played three. Played four. Played five. Didn't play six. And now I'm playing seven. So that means I don't have this like deep connection to the lore and this deep connection to the franchise and reverence for it and any of that crap. I'm, yeah, I just don't. So the weirdness for me was so I'm playing this game and, and the first part of this game, the first hour or so, is very outcasty. It's very, uh, very much a, a funneled experience outlast. that is out, outlast. Sorry, not outcast. Sorry, outlast. Uh, it's very much a funnel, funneled experience, which is um, quite directed quite on rails you know feel very vulnerable you don't have any weapons and then you get to a part of the game where you you go oh oh yeah this is a resident evil game because all the doors have really stupid locks on them and no architect would ever make a building like this because this doesn't make any sense at all why would there be a puzzle here that involves casting a shadow on a painting that doesn't that's not how people live that's just weird. And I'm like, I don't understand any of why this exists. And it's all of a sudden it's like, yep, yeah, that's right. This is a video game. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is a video. This is a video. This is a video game ass video game. Like, you know, when, when games like the original Resident Evil, and I've looked at this and I know, and I know there was a narrative justification for the original mansion being the way it was. It was a testing facility. And I, I suspect that could be where they go. I've not finished the game yet, but that could be where they go with this. But you know, at the same, it does pull you out. After that first hour of it being like, you know, oh, this is I'm vulnerable and it's I'm being taken on this story and there's this weird family and what's happening to my wife and and you're like, what the fuck is going on? It's oh no, it's it's a super video gamey video game with lots of stupid puzzles and herbs which you can combine with chemicals to turn yeah. into things to heal you and you can combine those same chemicals with gunpowder and that makes bullets <laughs> somehow. With your crazy skills at making ammunition. And it's just like, decide what the fuck you're trying to be. And it's annoying because all the marketing has been geared around the, the, the outlasty bit. You know, the, the bit that's like that horror bit at the beginning of the game. Mm. And then the rest of the game seems to be, no, 
no, no, this is a Resident Evil game, including awful, awful shooting, like the worst shooting. Um, if you're going to make a game in first person, you need to make it work as a first person shooter if you're going to have guns in it. Um, I don't want to. It's difficult. There's an enemy. You discover you're not quite there yet in the game, Richard, based on what you've told me. Uh, and and it's a, it's um it's not one of the family members, but it's kind of their cannon fodder enemy. And this cannon fodder enemy requires you to take them out in a very specific way. Um, I shoot them in the head six times. Uh, and the gunplay just feels shit. Like the sound the gun makes, the feedback you get to firing the gun, how the gun controls in first person, all of it feels just bad. Like, you know, I, I, I played Titanfall 2, Call of Duty, Battlefield 1 last year. I played all the best shooters, right? And and I know you can't compare Resident Evil it's as such gonna, to those. It's not supposed to be a good shot. No, I know it's not. But if you're going to have a gun in first person, it needs to play at least moderately okay. No, you know? And, and I think it only just gets away with it. No, it's not a horror game, though. After that first bit, it's not. It's not. After that first bit, it just becomes another Resident Evil game. And I mean, maybe there'll be scarier bits that I haven't got to yet, but it's not frightening. It really isn't. It actually just leans heavily on established tropes you've seen in films for the last 40, 50 years. It's not a fucking horror game. It really isn't. It's not. I don't know why everybody's losing their shit about it. It's probably because they're all massive Resident Evil fans, and I'm not. And I think it's one of those that those those things that's the problem of video games criticism today is that the editor who gets the game is the one who is a fan of the games and therefore they are biased immediately to the towards the experience like everything i've seen from giant bombs coverage to IGN, ign's coverage i was quite surprised oh wow that's 7.8 compared to polygons 9 and i was like oh what's going on there now i know they probably weren't a resident evil fan i think it's just a reaction to six because that was so critically panned <laughs> it's definitely trying different things and i think it is a better game so far to six. It's a, a, a more structured single player experience. Talking about people reviewing it who probably like it, I think whether they like it or not, people will naturally compare it to six, which was awful. Absolutely god awful game. Uh, yeah, I've played it. So. Um, so, compared to that, anything this did would probably be um, raising the bar. See, I quite, I quite like five though. A lot of people think I'm crazy for liking five. No, so I like, I like five as well. I think three times I went three five. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, but you completely called it. You go six times, Richard. So I don't know what that means. Uh, that's that's an outlier. That's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> In support of Richard, I also think I completed Resident Evil five maybe three, four times. Wow. It has that brilliant thing that after a while you can purchase unlimited ammo for a gun of your choice. So you just, yeah, yeah you get the magnum and it changes the whole game. It goes from being a serious survival game to just a really fun romp through shooting the hell out of everything. It's great. Yeah, it becomes a different game. Yeah. Like, what would it be like to go through this in co-op with a rocket launcher reach with infinite ammo? Yeah. <laughs> and it's... I, think, I, I think maybe I'm coming across overly harsh. I mean, like, I, I, my reaction is in part due to some of the glowing glowing reception it's received in certain outlets and it and it, it, i just feel a bit like they're, they're almost blind to the problems this game has um and it has a lot of quite fundamental problems which are inherited from the franchise um inventory management isn't fun in anything <laughs> that's better. ever that's better 
Oh, it is better. No, no, it is. But at the same point, I, I've now got to a point in the game, Richard, where I'm picking up stuff or trying to pick up stuff. And it's going, you're full. It's full. It's you're, you're full. You can't pick that up. And it's just like, oh, so I now have to run back to my safe room, find my chest, put my shit in my chest, go back. That's that's not. That's not a fun experience. I mean, is it, in a in a, um, a game like Five, where you're dealing with um, more open environments yeah. in the first place, that's a little bit more forgivable. This game, however, feels incredibly linear and incredibly funneled as an experience. So having to back having to backtrack a lot, like to do inventory management, that isn't a fun experience. It just pulls you away from the next story beat, which is all you want to really get to. Um, what do you think, Richard? What are, you, what are your feelings and what are your take on VR as well? Uh, well so I, I was going to say, that's the difficulty in comparing our experiences because your problems with gunplay may be entirely down to the way that you're playing. It might be that it's based on a VR system. Maybe it was built for VR first because I, I don't think it's perfect gunplay at all. I also don't think it's meant to be, but it seems fine. It's usable in VR. Um, but in that clunky Resident Evil way that they've always worked, where you kind of know what you want to do, but it doesn't feel quite precise enough for you to actually do it in the, as quickly as you would like, that leads to panic. That's kind of what the game is about. It, makes you, it wants to make you panic. Um, so it does its job, but it doesn't feel like it's punishing you too badly through its control mechanisms to get there. And that's not the only way it gets you either. I mean, like you said, there are quite a, a few jumpy bits, at least early on. I've played a couple of hours so far and it's been quite consistently tense. Um, I am enjoying it so far. It doesn't look great. I think compared to some other VR experiences, it looks quite grainy. Um, the, the build of the world is quite low, low poly and primitive, but it's certainly got atmosphere and it's, a, a nice refresh of the Resident Evil franchise. You said um, that it's clearly a Resident Evil game. I don't think it is. There's very few nods to that. There are the odd locks on doors that aren't keys. They're like symbols or crests or crap like that you've got in the original game. Um, you've got the herbs dotted around the house to heal you, which I did think was odd to begin with. Why would someone have herbs rather than you know, medicine, but then this is a family that has human entrails on the dinner tables. I keep finding plates of gunpowder. What the fuck is that? Yeah, that's weird. Why would you have that? You can't justify that as, oh, they might have been nibbling on that herb. You know, no. smoking the green herb, baby. You're not, yeah. not going to have a bowl of gunpowder as an entree. I mean, that no. doesn't... That, that turns into that. bullets with no mm. metal at all. No, yeah, no metal at all. That, the, magic, the magic bullets. That's what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, it is, it is video gamey in a way, but it's not explicitly Resident Evil. I think if you were playing this for the first time without knowing what it was, it would take you a fair while to work out that it had any links to Resident Evil. And that would be... I, I, I just think the, the, marketing is, the marketing has been seriously disingenuous. Like, crazy disingenuous. Like, you're talking about No Man's Sky's marketing. It's a similar hoodwink, almost. It's like, this is what the game is. Oh, only for the first, like, 50 minutes. And then it becomes, go here, pick up this, open this door, go here. Oh, lots of shitty enemies to defeat. You haven't got to those yet. I would like to. I, I look forward to finding out what you think of the, of the cannon fodder enemies, um, because they. 
they last though because it's not supposed to be a very long game even is it you can do it within four hours uh i think they've already speed speedrunners have already done it in uh, hour 45. so right. you know you can really bang through it real fast yeah so yeah i mean there's an achievement for doing it in under four yeah. but the, the reason that that's well, doable is... it's like seven eight hours i believe the reason that that's doable though is because at the end of the game you get a super gun that can kill everything with one hit Right. Um, so you can basically just steamroll, you know, enemies without even have to worry about them. Um, I just think I think it would have been a smarter move for them to just go for the family thing, the uh, Bakers, the Baker family, isn't it? Yeah. Um, if you just went, there, you're on, there's there's three of them. That's all, you know, that's all there is. A little bit more reminiscent of Alien Isolation, but they have cannon fodder enemies as well, of course. But you know, the way the way the the Xenomorph was used in that, I thought was an incredibly terrifying experience for me. Which meant I couldn't actually finish that game. Um, it was so scary. But but yeah, this I found. I don't know. I mean, is is horror effective? Is level design effective if all you need to do to make it not scary is put the brightness up? Because <laughs> I tried that. I went back and played an earlier part of the game, the, the beginning of the game, and went. I wonder if I just make it less dark, will this be, you know, effective? No. It won't be because it all it does all the all the horror in the game seems to be is relying on darkness obscuring something. It's primal, don't get me wrong, and it works, but it's also not particularly clever or particularly innovative in any way, is it? It's 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 the oldest gag in the horror book, isn't it? You, really you're afraid of what you can't see. That's like if it was a sci-fi game, you'd be like, ah, oh, it, it relies too heavily on laser guns, spaceships. <laughs> That's part of what it is. You can't say if you took that out, it wouldn't work. Of course it wouldn't. <laughs> I know what you're saying, but I, I think it's a valid criticism of a game that's that's positioning itself as the, 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 the new greatest horror game. And what a lot of people are saying is it's the most frightening experience and all these superlatives that are being cast in. And I just, just don't. Once, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work for me. Maybe I'm, I, I don't know. I thought I was going to be so scared playing this. Like, really scared. <laughs> and I'm just really bummed out. I am it's so easily scared, Richard. I'm, I am a massive scaredy cat. Well, and I'm just not it's finding it scary. Weird, isn't it? Because the initial reports were that it was awful. And then people are all over YouTube saying how amazingly scary it is. The most scary game in the series. They pulled it out of the bag. And, yeah, playing it, I don't feel that. But it is, it is a good experience. Maybe I actually, I, I think Resident Evil 4 is scarier. Um, the re the reason being the horror in Resident Evil 4 isn't derived from jump scares or darkness obscuring things. It's derived by the unknown. It's derived by the character's confusion as to what's happening in the game. In, you know, the experiences is undergoing. You know, it's actually I find that I find psychological horror much more effective than something going bump in the dark room next to me, which I can't see. Hmm. And it just becomes it could, it becomes very very old very very quickly. But I'm not finished, so you know I'm 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 hoping yeah, that can be won over. You've got into a, a stale bit, it sounds like. But if the game's not very long overall, you'll probably be through that quite quickly. Yeah, and if it comes together in an interesting way with a good narrative punch, with some good character stuff, you know, some nice revelations. I know that it ties into the wider universe in some major ways. Um, I will enjoy that, and you know, I look forward to seeing where it goes. But you know, I. I Mm, it's definitely not the second coming of Resident Evil. It really, I, I just, I just don't feel it in that way. So when I, I used to play the original Resident Evil back on the PlayStation, and I, I think I could see the 
aspects of the the horror in the story but it, it never really particularly scared me nor did the the kind of jumping moments in the game what i found particularly filled me with fear and would make my sort of palms and forehead sweat was the way the gameplay um long intervals between saves the ink ribbons that limited your ability to save uh, making every encounter with a with a zombie or an enemy um particularly deadly for the fear of death and, and and obviously going back quite far but then alongside that was the absolutely appalling controls that meant any encounter to try and shoot anything was you know that was just so fear inducing like encountering the most basic enemy trying to hold the shoulder button down light up the shotgun like trying to work out from the perspective on the screen if you're even facing like roughly where the game needs you to shoot uh, and it sounds like from what you've described with the rubbish first person shooting controls that might be what they're trying to go back to i don't know that, there is a bit mm, of that. Yeah. Um, it, i don't think that flies i really don't not now i need to play more to find out but yeah they have tried to go for that vibe Talking about the safe system, that's an interesting one, Joel, because um, on the, in the original game, you did have to collect typewriter ribbons, didn't you? You had a yeah. finite amount of them. You had to find a typewriter to save your game. Uh, they've gone high-tech in this one. You now use audio cassettes. <laughs> wow. Um, it's, they've done a really odd thing. They've got these tape machines dotted around the house infrequently to give you the impression that if you haven't seen one, you are at risk, but actually the game auto saves. Checkpoints all over. Yeah. Everywhere. So I don't know what these manual saves do at all. Yeah. They don't seem to be anyway. Before every major encounter, before every boss fight, um, when you enter new areas, checkpoint, 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 checkpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing I can think of the logical thing to make you think, right? I haven't seen a save thing for a long time. Um, I, I'd be worried, but actually, no, you don't need to. The, 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 I don't get that either, no. And it's not like they're limited saves either. No. Um, you can just save as many times as you want. You know, that's not that. So, you know, the, you've got these modern, these modern contrivances. And that's not, that's not really a surprise to me. But yeah, I'd have just got rid of the save room concept completely. Mm. Uh, I just had checkpoints. You, you, what's the point of doing both, you know? And that, there's actually more risk at that because if you're going into a checkpointed room and you're not prepared, and you don't have the stuff you need for the encounter, that encounter is going to be a lot harder, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so that actually means you're more likely to be careful. Instead, with these safe rooms, I just have, like, there's a box in there. That's your storage. And it's just so any extra bullets, any extra med stuff, chuck it in there. I then push forward. And if I get killed in an encounter, I'll be like, all right, I'll go back to that save. I'll prepare better. I'll stock up more. And then I'll try it again. It, it makes it easy. The game is not hard, at least not yet. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 okay. I look forward to getting to the end and doing a full video review and talking about it and that. And then we might be maybe we'll talk about it on the next podcast as well, Richard, when we're both done, and see what our final thoughts are. Maybe we'll do a little spoilery bit as well or something at the end of the episode. Yeah. Now that I'm, further I'm away from the release. Date. By the next, by the time of the next show, um, what yeah. I'd like to do is play it not in VR as well, just so I can compare the two. Sure. Anyway, we better move on because we're uh, we've got still lots to talk about. Um, I want to talk to Joel about pit people. Pit people. Okay. What do you want yeah. to talk about specifically? Well, you, 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 the preview. <laughs> yeah. You can uh, you can tee us up with what so, it is. 
Pit People is essentially a turn-based strategy game. It's by the uh, people who bought you Castle Crashers and Alien Hominid and Battle Block Theatre. Uh, the Bermoth, basically, the developer. And yeah, it's uh, it's kind of, as you would imagine, it's set in the same... I believe it's a continuation from the story of Battle Block Theatre. I've not played Battle Block Theatre, though. So, um, But I did read that. And basically, the game sees your character but it starts off basically you're a farmer uh blueberry farmer i think i can't remember exactly what the, the yeah. fruit you, you were farming uh, and some some uh people turn up on your doorstep and you tell your son to go inside whilst you uh, dispatch with these guys and then the giant space bear smashes your house and kills your son and after that <laughs> you, you go you then you then just go on your quest for revenge where you help some princess uh, who escape from a castle that you later then have to go and adventure against the guy it's all the crazy ridiculous like story stuff you'd expect from the these guys it's brilliant i love it appeals to my sense of humor so i really love that aspect of the game dean what you then have is most of the game basically is about party management you've you've got a party of up to six six different characters the characters um there's there's 20 there's there's many different types of characters you've got humans cyclopses trolls fairies cupcakes um i'm trying to think it's like spiders or spider owls or something they call them that's like got little archer guys on the back there's um ghosts there's um zombies so there's you could build the whole party up of different characters each of them have kind of uniqueish attributes um and then you can equip different equipment to each kind to gear them towards ranged attack or defense or you know um double weaponed attacks and things like that so you you build and customize your party to suit your style and yeah, then you go into uh, these little battle sessions, basically, that take place on a hexagonal grid. Uh, you get to move your characters around. Um, and that's principally a, a sort of... It, movement is pretty much the only thing you can actually do in the in the battle. So it's up to you to strategically place your your your, play, your, your characters where you want them. Um, so, for example, if you've got a character um, and you position him next to two enemies that he could attack either or, the game will randomly decide which one it wants to attack. You have no way to tell it which one you want to attack. So it's all about clever positioning. Um, and, yeah, that's principally it to the game. You, you play through these battles, and there's a sort of story that ties together each individual battle sequence and, you know, little side quests and things. But um, all of them just involve these battles and your characters, basically. I've played it for about seven hours, um, and I've completed everything that I think there is about to do in the preview, bar all the side quests. They, they give you a small slice of the story. The, the main story seems like it's going to be quite interesting and funny, so I'm looking forward to the full game to, to get, you know, find out how that plays out. Um, yeah, so I, I, I've enjoyed it. The art style's very nice. The, the sound's pretty good. Um, you've played it as well, haven't you, Ben? I have. What did you think? I loved it. Um, I am a sucker for creative narrative devices. And I do love a sort of unreliable narration. I am a su I just enjoy that so much. Um, it, it's actually a little bit reminiscent of the narration in Bastion, but it's far more abusive. Or Stanley Parable as well is another good example of the, yeah. of the narration in the you in this type of game. Um, the, but the humor and the writing and the voice acting, um, I, I was just pi I was pissing myself, mate. I yeah. mean, I was laughing out loud within the first five minutes of the game. Like, it was so funny. Um, I also haven't played Battleblock Theatre, so I, so I couldn't comment on the continuation of the universe. But now you've told me that I want to play Battleblock mm. Theatre because I, if it's half as funny as that, that's it's just brilliant. 
um you know and like you said and the voice acting and the comedy mixed with their art style it's like this perfect marriage of presentation uh and it makes it's interesting hearing you boil down what the gameplay actually is and you're right but it's it's framed and, and wrapped up so brilliantly um that i just had i just had oodles of fun with my time with it. i only put about three hours in um so far but because when i'm not when i'm when i get a game preview game like that um I like to get a taste of what it is, but I, I'm most excited to see what it will become and watching it develop and stuff like that over, over time, um, which I'll be talking about in another game shortly. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely adored the, the, the comedy of it. Like it's yeah. so, it's so over the top. It was like, it reminded me a little bit of things like the Pythons, you know, it's got this kind of, Oh, I don't know how to describe it. And then when you first meet a ranged guy and it, it's all been like fantasy to that point, like dystopic fantasy sort of, and then he's got a machine gun, and you're like, there are machine guns in this. And then you get a cupcake party member, and you're like, oh, what? What is this world? This world makes no sense, but I love the sort of crazy, anarchic, let's just throw everything at it. And But it works, and it's, and it's all together with this horrible godlike figure who's just a sadist. Yeah, just yeah, wants yeah. to fuck over at every opportunity, and it's so funny. And it, oh, I really enjoyed it. I so really, really enjoyed it. If you've both played this, then you can answer a question I have about it. How's the difficulty? Because I've always loved the way Bayamoth make games. I love the humor they make their games with. They don't want me to play their games. Bayamoth games are nails hard, always, it seems. So is this continuing that trend, or is this actually playable by humans? So, yeah, you're lucky. This this is quite playable. In fact, I found it rather easy. And, in fact, they even have a... Um, so I did say this in the preview, actually, that you can scale it. So you can turn on what they call insane mode, right. which will make the game, uh, I think, massively ramps up the difficulty curve. I turned it on and tried a few battles, and they didn't seem any harder than the ones I'd done before, to be honest. Um, but there's also, um, you can obviously turn insane mode off, and you can also turn on auto battler, which basically will just do all your movement for you in the battles. So you can almost just sit back and let the game play itself for you, um, or if you okay. just choosing which missions and quests you want to do next so i think they've specifically addressed that problem by sort of insane mode if you want a really big challenge yeah. then turn that on off you go but if you just want a much more simpler experience to enjoy the story and the narrative um just turn on auto battler leave it on easy and you know just um, and just walk your way through the game basically yeah. adam you're adam you're a strategy gamer you'd, yes, you'd, you'd violate this mate i all mean right, cool. you wouldn't find this too hard at all mate honestly um i think what they're doing here is they've 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 thought about the idea of a, of a turn-based strategy game on a console and they've thought well the audience doesn't necessarily know this genre that well uh and most of the games you get in this genre on console are usually bad ports of pc games but here we are designing one specifically for a console and um they do it damn well like i can't wait to see where they take it and i think you'd enjoy it a lot I think everybody it's, it's, it's big on my list as i said like you know i really like the way uh Off make their games and so I played Alien Hominid, oh Jesus Christ. I played Castle Crashers, also quietly, nearly impossible to play. And after that, I just sort of went, I might not buy any more games by this company until they, you know, start making them for normal people, because fuck me. Has anyone else played Alien Hominid? Oh, yeah. Alien oh, Hominid yeah, yeah, yeah. is Alien fucking Commodore 64 hard. It's crazy. <laughs> No, that, that no, it's just isn't that bad, but no. I don't know if that's because it's got the option for co-op. Yeah, yeah that that game comes alive when you're in a party of four. That's Castle what it's Crashes about. is okay, but even Castle mm. Crashes, like, it's harder than you anticipate it being because mm. it looks like it's going to be a good button mashing, 
you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game type nonsense. You imagine it's just like, you know, you complete this on your first go because why wouldn't you? And then when you play it, you actually, there's like, this is hard and I'm getting killed and I'm running that it continues and oh dear. But it's, it's, it, I'm excited to see where they do with this. I, I really am. Cool, um, because the, the core of the game, though, is it's there now and it, it feels really, really good. I think the main thing they haven't put in yet is like, yeah, like Joel was saying, the, the story finishes yeah. quite early and stuff, and there's still a lot more to come from that. But un- unlike, unlike a game I've been playing, also in game preview on Xbox right now, which is Astroneer. And I feel like Astroneer, there are core parts that maybe haven't been put in yet but it's very hard to say basically astroneer is um the way i actually describe it is it's it's kind of like no man's sky without the space bit but better so you know you've got your you're a you're a space guy and you land you're an astronaut and you land on this planet and it's a game preview game and it's a survival game so that means that's all the intro you get yeah. and you're like work it the fuck out and it's like oh okay a little bit bewildering as they always are but it's nice because in Astroneer, it's a survival game so far without any enemies, from what I can tell. <laughs> At least I haven't found any yet. Uh, the only thing I found that killed me was a plant that was kind of like when I destroyed it, it exploded in a gas cloud and I was murdered by the gas cloud. And it was like, oh, that, that's, that was a shock. Okay, cool. Um, but this is a game where you put on your podcast and you're like, I'm going to ponder about checking out the scenery, finding minerals and stuff and... The big, the big, the big thing about Astroneer is you have a space hoover, right? This device that can suck up um, the ground in front of you, or it can blow out the ground so and make it grow. So you can build up big, you know, monuments and like big mountains, or you can just dig giant holes and pits, you know. Uh, and the planet surfaces all have multiple levels, and there are like caves underneath you, and there are mountains which have got caves inside them, so you can find things and, and dig. And when you're doing that, you're finding minerals and and um, sort of elements so you can build up your base and you can build vehicles and you can build various fabricated units that can do all kinds of things and power generators. So there's this big, and it's co-op as well. I think it's up to four players you can play with at the same time in one world or one shard or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so the, the, the basic premise is strand on a planet, build a base, find resources, survive. Not particularly original, right? But there's got a, it's got a really nice visual style to it. It's got a really nice sort of pastel color palette. Um, it has this sort of power management thing where as long as you're close to these tethers you can plant uh, on the ground, you're getting constant oxygen and energy from your little your little base, and you have to place the tethers as you expand outwards. But if you don't, you have limited energy and oxygen uh, in your backpack. Um, and on top of that, all your inventory management is done um, in-universe on your backpack. So you can see what you're carrying at all times on your character, and then you can zoom in and manage it. And that's that's your entire interface is the backpack. And it's very, very simple. And it's very, very easy to pick up and play. And that's what I actually quite liked about this. As a survival game, um, I also played in game preview Subnautica. And, and that is like bewilderingly scary. You know, being crashed in the sea on a giant sea planet. You know, every time you go outside, you're drowning. Like you have a very limited amount of oxygen. And it's like until you start to get to grips with that game, it's really off-putting. Whereas, whereas um, Astroneer, you're like, oh, this is nice. Oh, that's a nice mountain. I'm going to go and check out that mountain. I'll put some tethers down. Oh, this is a nice mountain. Oh, it's got caves inside. This is cool. I'm a little explore. Oh, what's that? Oh, I discovered this thing. Oh, I'll put a beacon down so I'll know to come back over here and 
check it out later. And I'll, you know, I'll play that for a couple of hours. I found myself getting really lost in this game for hours. Um, and I had a podcast on. I was just chilling out. It was a really nice unwinding kind of experience. At the moment, I, I suspect the enemies haven't put, been put in the game yet. I, like, I get the feeling like they, they, surely they're going to do that. I mean, I don't know. I haven't dug into it any further than, than what I know from playing it. But I just feel like if there isn't any adversity in this game, what's the point almost? Like, where's the survival element of surviving? At one point, I was exploring in a sandstorm or some kind of storm came down and it reduced my visibility and my the character had to walk around with his arm up and much slower. And then it went. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess in theory, if I was away from my base when that happened, I might have got lost. But it's never hard to find your base because there's a big icon showing where it is, even when you're off yeah. on the other side of the planet. So I found myself doing lots of exploring underground. That was fun. Digging holes and then uh, and then putting tethers down further under, into the, uh, under the planet and and then like building um, like mountains to climb to get back out in another area, just seeing where I ended up and seeing what I saw. You know, what cool flora was I going to discover in the, in the next time I came out of a cave, you know? And that's, that's what it's all about. There's a, there's a real nice sense, as you might remember from No Man's Sky, of discovery yeah. and uh, exploration. Um, but there's no overt pressure on you. It's nice. It's a really cool experience. Uh, I know, Adam, did you have any questions? Because you were interested in this one. Well, I'm interested in this one, yeah. I mean, so presumably this is an early access game. And so yeah. so it's entirely possible that, yeah, you just sort of see in the baseline engine and yeah. they're going to add actual hazards. I, I kind of like the... Initially, I was quite excited with what you were describing because I really like the idea of someone making a survival game that doesn't have enemies, where the, like, the threat is just the environment you're in and just trying to work it out. You could argue Subnautica did some of that, but Subnautica does have animals and creatures in it that will hurt you. It's just kind of, they're not like antagonists. They're just, you know, sharks going to eat people because sharks is hungry. It's not like things come and yeah. attack you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like the sound of that. Like, and especially, you know, like it's such a natural setting for a survival game. Dump you on a planet. Don't tell you anything because you've just crash landed on a planet. Why would you know anything? That's quite nice. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, like, I like the art style of it. And I think, you know, I'm always in the market for a good podcast player. I love games that are like that, that you can just zone out and, you know, meander around. The great disappointment of No Man's Sky was how quickly you're actually, for a game so large, you run out of things to see and do. And so something that's just set on one big, interesting planet might be more interesting. So yeah. It does, it does seem that way. I mean, and the tech behind the terrain deformation is is really nice. I mean, it, unlike Minecraft, which is very regimented and yeah, rigid, yeah. It, it feels much more organic. Um, tell me, you've seen video of it, uh, Adam? Yes, I've seen video of it. Would you, is that voxel-based terrain? Def- uh, terrain well, so, I mean, no, because voxels is all boxes. Like, voxel-based is uh, what, Minecraft. What, what is the... the, the can I, you tell I, what honestly the don't know. Is? I don't know impressive. how they're doing it. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really I think it probably good. is... It's some sort of real-time like mesh deformation. They're doing something... Hmm. Sneaky with um, uh, vertices, I guess. But, yeah, it, it, it's, it's really, very impressive. Yeah, especially the fact that, you know, it's not just um, taking away, but when you when it's additive as well and mm. how you can build structures by just using your big space yeah. leaf blower to, like, just paint it, basically. It's it's really, really cool. Uh, and it works, yeah, really, really well. It, um, it, it remind, reminded me of Populous the first time I saw it. I was like, that's the Populous mechanic, but updated. You know, it's just building and lowering land. Really cool. Yeah, yeah, no, I can. I see what you mean. I remember that from Populous. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I think it's definitely another one worth keeping an eye out on. Uh, it's always hard, isn't it, um, Joel, to 
necessarily recommend games in game preview or early access you know should you buy it and it's kind of like well if you like the look of it as it is right now maybe but the problem is that game might not be that in six months time well Don't there's worry, also there's also whatever important aspect what's the price gonna be that's the thing you know some games if you know if it's a, an indie game or something or it's a short game and they just go for around the 10 to 20 pound mark it can be quite easy to recommend something like uh, but you know some games if they want to go for the 40 50 pound triple a price range it's like no 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 i wouldn't pay that much for it kind of so it, for for pit people i'm, I'm interested to see what the price is going to be um I, I at the moment yeah i'm definitely think i'd recommend it and i'm hoping it comes in around the 20 pound uh 20 to 30 pound mark i would say um yeah that's it that's fair man yeah absolutely okay richard how's um how's shante is that how you say it shante half genie hero um you didn't know what this was did you not a clue mate never heard of it when, before. I, when i hunted it down from your list of 40 games it's my wo- most wanted indie game on the xbox over the past few months so mm. thank you for sending that um it's the latest in a series of Shanty games. Shanty is a half-genie hero, hence the title. So she wears, like, <laughs> genie clothes, and it's all anime, really beautifully drawn um, 2D platformer. Frank likes it, don't you, Frank? Shut up, though. <laughs> um, yeah, I've played one of them before on 3DS, and I bought it accidentally as part of a bundle. I think it was in... Uh, Humble bundle, and um, it, it ended up being the main game that I played out of that bundle. I played it to death. So this is more of the same. It's as I say, it's a 2D platformer. It's all cartoony. It's really beautifully drawn. I think this is the, they've labelled it as the first HD adventure for Shante. So I don't know if the others were designed more for mobile platforms, uh, but it has been on Xbox before. But this is the first one I've played on Xbox. Um, it's stunning to look at just the the smoothness of the animation how well it's drawn um it's really good it reminds me of the rayman series the way everything's so colorful bright and smoothly animated and just the way that it plays is quite similar to that as well it chucks you into quite a few different um types of platforming gameplay so you've got uh, a mechanic in this particular one where she can transform into different creatures. She can be an elephant or a, like a, a tree or something that sheds <laughs> oranges. Um, she can be a tree. Yeah, you can be a tree. Or a crab. You be a crab <laughs> one, ben. Yeah, I mean, that seems more useful. Often, Trees don't move yeah. a lot. So I'm, I'm struggling nice. to think why. A moving tree. Yeah, she shakes so her head. The oranges come off, and then the oranges make you heal. So. Oh. I'm surprised it wasn't in Resident Evil, to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe but, something else the bakers were eating, is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's got that old school thing where it's it's like a Mega Drive or SNES game where um, she's got different like alternate characters that she can turn into. And the whole thing is just about saving the town that she's in, um, fighting other women in bras, who are drawn as cartoons, so that's supposed to be okay. I see what you like it now, Richard. Mm-hmm. It's all become clear. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just really lovable um, characters, good story for what it is. 
yeah, it's just good fun. So I'm only about an hour or so into this one so far, but um, I've got a killer soundtrack as well. So yeah, just the way it looks and sounds, and it, it just does, it pushes all the buttons that you'd want from just a traditional 2D platformer. I don't think it does anything especially incredible, but everything it does, it's nice. Okay. Okay. I mean, I know um, previous um, Brit Xbox editor, Mark, um, he was big, very much excited about this and a big fan of this particular game as well. Um, maybe it's because you both just like the half-naked ladies in bras. <laughs> I mean, that's that's fair enough, I guess. Uh, I don't know if it's just that. I mean, it's really, really well drawn. And when you see some of the boss characters, you think, whoa, they put a lot of work into that. How has nobody heard of this? It's got a kind of, kind of quality stamp on it that you think, well, this is a known quantity. People are looking forward to this, but you've never heard of it. I don't think there's many people that have heard of this series. I'd, I'd never heard of it, and I'm watching a video of it now. And in a world where Rayman is popular, like famous, how is this not famous? Exactly. I've not seen animation this good on a game in a decade. It's amazing. It's insane. Isn't it? Really, it's beautiful. Absolutely stunning, and not yeah. just the main character. Everything in it everything. is exquisitely drawn. So there's also there's like animations in the backgrounds even that are just really beautifully done. Hmm. Just a real nice sense of life to everything. Man, that's yes. amazing. So if you like 2D platformers and you like Rayman, this is probably better than Rayman. The only downside I would um, point out is just the the fundamental attack mechanics. She attacks with her hair for some reason. Mm -hmm. And it, it just feels not as effective as it should. It just feels like the range isn't quite right. You get too close to enemies, and sometimes you get hit when you probably you did enough to avoid the attack. So it can be a little bit unreliable in that way, but it's not something that breaks the game. And like I say, it just looks it looks incredible, sounds incredible. The soundtrack's fantastic, and. There's a load of fun characters in there that just keep it interesting from beginning to end. Okay. Give it a look. So, so from one um, best in genre example uh, that's currently out on Xbox One to another best in genre example, and my um, and, and another game you may never have heard of. I certainly hadn't heard of it. Does anybody has anybody ever played or heard of a game called Skyforce before? No. No, nothing. All right. Well, this is Skyforce Anniversary, right? Which was the 2014 anniversary, I assume, uh, to the original game that came out in um, 2004 of Skyforce. And this has now been ported to the Xbox One. And Skyforce Anniversary is a shmup, right? And I've played some really shit shmups on Xbox One, namely Project Root and um, Dogos. Absolutely terrible. Unbelievable garbage. And this shmup, you know, it's a typical ship at the bottom of the screen. You know, you can move around the screen, but it's scrolling up as you progress through the level. Uh, and you play a, uh, as a as a fighter plane, I suppose, shooting the enemies as they come to the screen. And normally this kind of game would be like throwaway, not worth mentioning. Very quick mention, you know, I'm going to give it a two-minute review and be like, yeah, whatever. So this has got some surprisingly great level design and awesome level um, upgrade mechanics to this game that really encourages uh, replaying levels multiple times. The game, first of all, is bollocks hard, which certainly helps with the replayability, right? And it has that feeling of as you start to progress through the game and you start to collect the stars that the enemies drop, which is your upgrade currency, and slowly you improve your ship, you find yourself becoming more capable and in conjunction with you are just getting better at playing the game. So there's a real nice curve which fits, 
you know, perfectly between you, your experience improving, you know, your playing uh, style and the upgrading of your vessel. So slowly at that first level that felt like it was impossible or incredibly hard to beat becomes easier and easier and easier and you progress onto level two and you have that same sort of challenge arc and then the three and then four and it, it just feels really good, like polished, balanced, and it just, mm, it's a real nice gameplay loop to, you know, tackling a level just to complete it, start with, right? You get your stars, you upgrade. Then you tackle a level to save all the human um, prisoners and people that you have to save on that. And then you tackle a level to destroy every enemy and get more stars and more rewards for that. And then, and then you tackle a level to do all of that and also never get hit while you pass that level. Things that would sound impossible when you first appear on that level and on that stage slowly as you progress and you upgrade and you get better and you know you start to learn the patterns of the enemies slowly as you go through that these challenges become more and more attainable because each one of these challenges you need to unlock a subsequent level you need so many of these like you know objectives to get the next one unlocked and these things sound impossible when you first start playing and they they very quickly become attainable and it's got incredible replayability you know you'll just be grinding that first level to get stars not just because it's easy but because it is damn fun to do as you upgrade your ship from a little pea shoot a single gun to a gut ship with twin rocket launches on the goddamn wings as well you just feel like a badass and it's it's you either like shmups or you don't and uh i will say this it's a brilliant example of that genre on xbox one um and there's been some real stinkers that i've played so the, i'm glad to have finally played a good one on the xbox one i take it you guys have got less than no interest but that's that's fine. <laughs> i've got interest i'm watching a video of it and it looks fantastic it's so good adam like honestly it honestly it, looks great this is an anniversary edition of a game that came out in 2004 and i never heard of it right not not even like remotely heard of this game before um <laughs> and, and it's completely blew my blew me away i mean i've been i'd rather play that than resident evil that's what I'm going to pull myself away from. You know, Resident Evil is like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's trying thing. But this is such a brilliantly polished example of the genre where it's just like you can't help but want to play more of it and get it's, better at it. It's so good. I'm guessing so what I've so just good. seen is the first level, but the first level is just 1942. Like, it's just so old school, kind mm -hmm. of back to that style of shooting up. Man, it's lovely. And it looks great, doesn't it? It's got oh, really, it really clean visuals. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, you know, some of these shmups like to overcomplicate you know your whatever your vehicle whatever your avatar yeah. is with power up this and power up that and there are power ups but you get them at a very slow pace because you yeah. have to build upon a foundation as you progress through the levels and slowly upgrade your ship and it therefore it, it doesn't feel overwhelming you know it's yeah. paced so well and structured so well that the carrot and the stick elements are balanced so perfectly that i i actually yeah Really, really good time with that game. Um, there'll be a full a full review in which I probably repeat myself from what I've just said. Um, but yeah, that, that was yeah, a really, really cool little surprise. Didn't think it would be anything at all, yeah. but really, really good. I mean, there's a whiff of treasure to it as well. Like, it's not quite at that level, but it's really close. Yeah, really nice. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sweet little game. Anything else anybody wanted to chuck on up there as we draw our little review segment of the podcast to an end? No. 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 I just wanted to mention. Um, well, oh yeah, no, Joe, 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 Joe. We haven't talked about subterrain. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say that's the one we definitely need to talk about. Yeah, the... man, I forgot about that. Sorry, dude. So, um, I'm I'm still in the process of reviewing this one at the moment. Uh, I literally just started it today. I've played it for about three hours. 
Um, so this, let me set the scene for you. So this takes place, it's a game set on a, a colony on Mars. Um, the, the background is that you're, you're obviously some research scientist um, who's currently banged up in prison due to some accident that happened um, about a year ago where somebody obviously died. Now, you know, the fact you're in prison, we don't know if it was your fault, truly an accident, whatever. I'm sure that's going to be, that's going to come out in the story. Anyway, for some reason, the base goes into lockdown. There's uh, the guard opens the door. Well, not opens the door, opens the hatch and tells you that they, they, they're trying to evacuate the prisoners. Uh, they're going to let you out one by one. It gets to the point where your cell door opens. It opens about two centimeters and then the power goes off and you're stuck there um and you sit it out for a week trying to wait to see what happens but no guards or anyone turns up eventually the emergency power gets so low that um you can get out of the air duct in your um cell basically the fan and the um anti-tamper device has no power left so you can you can crawl out of it and this is where the game begins it's a top down um sort of twin sticks i actually did write down because this is the how much coverage of it, you know, of all the different types of game this is. I wrote it down. It's a, a sort of twin sticks, real time survival horror tower defense Metroidvania game. It's absolutely it. It's got so it plays out. It's twin sticks. You, you know, movement. You get your guns and you shoot. Um, you're going around scavenging, so you need to keep yourself um, fed, watered. Uh, you have to go to the toilet. You get. You have to sleep. If you start bleeding, you know, you've got to bandage yourself up. Um, it, there's an infection going on, so you have to constantly take these pills to try and reduce the infection. Alongside that, and this is, seems to be the bulk of the element, you, you, the prison area that you go through takes you through the game's tutorial, so it introduces you to the basic concepts of the survival and combat, um, and kind of sets the scene for what's going on. Then you get to the next area, which is like the central control room, so this is where the main reactor for the base is, and this is kind of like your the, the central hub where you're going to be doing most of your stuff from, and what you need to do is you need to travel off to all these various sites on the colony um, to reactivate systems. Um, and reactivating systems, I think you have to you have to go out and you have to um, find broken parts. You have to bring them back, put them in a scanner. The scanner, which um, works out how the part part is, makes blueprint. You then have to go to your 3D printer. You have to collect the resources, um, scavenge items, break them down in the recycling machine to get all the bits you need to rebuild replacement parts in the 3D printer. So you can then travel to all these other areas to restore oxygen and um to get the heaters working and then all alongside that you've got this you, your big main reactor basically has all these sort of power cores that are decaying so you have to control routing power through the base to different parts but all the time the amount of available power is decaying so you have to go back to your reactor take the parts out 3d print replacements put them back in and this is you know like i say i'm only three hours into the game and it's only beginning to click how all these elements all come together and i've only actually explored about two or three of the area it must be about 15 areas in total i think and obviously you're picking up logs and the stories unfolding oh there's loads going on i'm loving it so far it's it's really pretty looking as well the audio is really simple but just it has that kind of alien style tension it's like yeah. you, you rarely encounter any enemies there's not much going on but you're always on the edge of your seat you're always you know you know something's going to happen soon you just don't know when I, I just, that, that's what I wanted to talk about my, my playthrough of it. What I've done so far, I've not done as much as you. But um, one of the things with that twin stick shooter element that you didn't mention was line of sight. Um, you, so you know it's top down. So you think you could see everything around you. Oh no, you can only see in a cone. You know the hmm. way you're facing. So enemies can sneak up behind you really easily and surprise you. Uh, also, it has like a fog of war effect. So if there's an area you've not looked into before, you can't see anything in there. You open the door, 
you look around you've then seen it you know what the area is but you can't like you're not looking in there you won't be able to see what's happening in that at that moment so there is this great there's a great tension to it it's actually i think a scarier game than resident evil for example i, I found it like the tension like joel was saying is constant um and you just i think i've like like joe i've not encountered that many enemies and i, I said i would suspect joel that as you go on that will increase um but man i was just like god when you first start you've got nothing and you just feel so vulnerable and it's like i'd actually restarted the game a couple of times and it's like the drops are randomized and at one point i got like a, a pulse rifle and i was like oh my god i feel like i might not die in a second now you know I, before that i just had a little button which i would just like swack people with if they came near me it was like pathetic um no there's a it's a really cool setting and it's got yeah it's al- already been very positively reviewed on pc and like I think we mentioned before we started recording it, it's a brave thing to bring to console because like joel was saying it is a complex game there are a, there are so many elements going on and i'm actually quite glad to listen to joel because i hadn't gleaned as much as he had and i'm like fuck is that how that works all oh, right okay wow that interconnects with that does it oh jesus christ i had no idea um so if you want to write a guide for me as well that'd be awesome <laughs> there is a um, lot a lot you have to figure out and like the first thing I did was like, uh, you know, I started trying to read through some of the tutorials and I was like, oh, my God, there's, there's like a list of about four, 30, 40 different tutorials here. What's this all mean? And obviously, as you play through the game, when you encounter a certain piece of equipment or um, a key point, it brings up the relevant tutorial at that time. So me trying to read them all up front was a bit of a, a fruitless exercise. But uh, yeah, it's really, it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. Um, Oh, yeah, it, I think it's got the potential to be a really, really good game, this one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I look forward to hit, reading your full review when you've... Uh, I don't know if there's an... I don't know if it's a game with an ending, Joel, so you'll have to decide when to <laughs> uh, when to, to, I, to do your content. <laughs> I think it does have an ending, but I'm not sure if the ending is that you... Uh, yeah, because it's a survival game and it's all real time. For, so, for example, I had an achievement pop that was just like you survive 24 hours in, in game time. Um, so I'm not sure if it is possible to escape Mars, which I assume is the ultimate goal, or you just survive as long as you possibly can and then just die anyway. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you just keep the whole base going as long as possible, uh, hoping for rescue or what. It's Yeah, it's still it's curious. I, I don't know Yeah. Um, before we uh, we come to the end of the podcast now, but I wanted to chuck out a few games that I'm not I've been playing, but not necessarily for um, coverage. Uh, Richard, did you have a chance to play the Halo Wars Two beta? No, no. Okay. I'm not sure I like it. I played quite a lot of Halo Wars the first time round, and I felt like it was just clicking buttons until you won. I didn't. Well, like there was a lot of strategy in it. Right. I know Adam's a strategy gamer. Yes. I think Joel, you dabbled as well, don't you? Yes. Have you guys heard what this the crux of their the beta is? Because it's no. weird. No, no. They have decided to mix RTS with a CCG, a collectible card game. Right. So instead of base building, you go into this this particular multiplayer mode called Blitz. You go into this mode with a deck of cards. Now, the deck of cards you will be able to purchase, I'm sure, with microtransactions or also unlock as you level up. But your cards are your units, and they're, they're also like power-up cards, special attack cards. So instead of building any bases, this is what you have. So you start with a small group of units, which you can also customize prior to the match. Uh, you have different, eight different like leaders. So you go in with your units, right. and then you'll be like, I play my Warthog card. 
and then a warthog spawns or drops or beams in i forget how exactly it appears uh, and also get this it has summoning sickness of a sort of it only has half health and damage for the first eight seconds after you bring it in so that means you want to play it when you're not in the middle of an engagement obviously yeah, because yeah. if it takes damage in that eight seconds that the, the the rest of the health and the light and the attack won't be given to it so it will forever be like you know limited in its ability i see um so that, that so it's, yeah, i was i was blowing my mind when i was playing this the reason they've done this is they're trying to sort of i think they're trying to simplify an rts in a way for people that have never played an rts before so by taking out base building instead of having this deck of cards it was really i mean it didn't play badly i beat everyone i played because i think i was playing people that had never played an rts before but it was like this is really odd and, it, and the whole game mode is control point based so depending on the map you have different control points that you have to take and that you know gives you the points until you get to a certain point and then you win the match so it's not about destroying your opponents it's not about building a base or gathering resources you get the resources to play the cards by killing the enemy and that's the way they balance it out i suppose and you also just tick over on the resources as the game progresses or you can collect it on the map when it spawns at certain points yeah. uh, i think the the spawning is weighted towards which side is doing better at any one moment so it's like you'll get spawning near my me if i'm doing badly or spawning near them if they're doing badly, etc um wow curious I, I, I respect their creative assemblies mm-hmm. trying to innovate, but a little bit. But you know, I, I don't think I necessarily want to play a card game while I'm playing an RTS. I'm, is, I'm not sure about. Is that it. the primary game? Is that just one of the game modes I of think, Halo Wars Two, or is I it? I think it's the primary multiplayer mode. Right. I think you will be able to play conventional RTS um, base against base modes. I believe. But judging by the way it's been like the way it's weighted in the menus, the whole microtransaction support around the card mechanics, I would suspect they're putting a lot of effort behind that mode um, as like a console friendly RTS multiplayer option. You know, um, a single player will be, you know, a, dr- a story driven campaign, I've no doubt. Um, but yeah, that that was weird. I think the feedback online I've seen from a lot of non RTS players has been very positive, And that's that's who they're trying to attract you know they're trying to attract the halo fan not the rts fan mm. um so yeah weird though guys it'd be Very great weird. if you guys could, be a shame nobody nobody else played it i would love to hear other people's thoughts on it but, i played um, i played the first halo wars and i honestly thought it was crap <laughs> like i thought it was awful like uh you know I, and i'm a big halo fan i love the the, the universe the story the the the, the first person shooter games so i thought halo wars was an awful spin-off so this one I have just no excitement for whatsoever. When it was announced, I was a bit like, why? Surely there wasn't ever that much interest or people clamoring for it, you know, a sequel to that. It was very odd that they decided to do another. And yet cancelled that quite fun-looking Mega Bloks game that they were developing. I don't know if you guys saw that footage that came out over Christmas uh, around then, but they, they would, they you know, Mega Bloks had the license for Halo and they were making like a third-person Halo game in the Mega Bloks style. It looked a lot like Lego, like Lego Halo would. Uh, but it looked really fun and charming and like brought some really interesting ele- elements to it and stuff. And that would have been infinitely more enjoyable than another RTS. But hey, you know, infinite wisdom and all that, I guess, at, at Microsoft, they, they know what they're doing. Um, one other game I really wanted to bring up, um, which I played to completion, 
Has anybody else played Virginia? No. I really wanted to, and I never did. Do you guys know what it is? A bunch of times. Yeah. It's really cheap, isn't it? Like three pounds you can get this. I, I think that's what I bought it for when it was on sale. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, the reception for it has been divided, to say the least. Yeah. Put it on my game of the year list. Other people just panned it. I didn't take the risk. Is it worth it? It's it's curious. It's an experimental game, to say the least. Um. So it's about three hours long. Um, it's about an FBI agent, female FBI agent in the early 90s, whose partner is also another female F FBI agent. But she's African-American. Um, there is no dialogue or written narrative in this game. None. Um, every The story is purely told by the actions happening in front of you, by the looks on the characters' faces, and by the score. And I, I, you know, it's always exciting to see indie games trying new things, trying to, you know, do stuff like that. The only problem is, I don't think it makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't really know how to put it any better than that. Um, there are some moments in it where I was like, whoa, that's, that was heavy. That was cool. That was interesting. And then aliens? What? Um, what now? What's happening? um uh, you know there's some it, it, oh dear what i felt like it was and it, this wasn't i didn't come up with this idea but i you know i do agree with it um that it was a narrative that was kind of constructed around a symphony the the soundtrack the music is absolutely amazing like stunning like some of the best video game music i've ever heard um and i feel like they they had like this sweeping symphony and they were like well let's try and build a narrative around the ebbs and flows of this score uh, and try and tonally make it work even if you know from a storytelling point of view it doesn't really make much sense i think it's a game worth playing because it's exciting in its experimental nature it mm. does things with things it does things with jump cuts that i've never seen in a game before where it'd be like you're walking in a hallway and instead of you making you walk all the way down the hall and open a door it'll just jump cut to you in the room where you're going. Uh, or it'll be like, instead of walking out, you know, out of the office building to get in the car to go on a trip with your partner, it'll be like, you open the door uh, of the office building and then you're in the car on the journey instantly. Um, so it's like, it's just like going, well, we don't need this bit in the middle. That's unnecessary for the story. None of that matters. Let's just convey journey yeah. happening by just moving you from one place to another it's a little bit jarring to start with and a little bit like whoa what's happening now um, but once you get the hang of it and get the hang of the way they're pacing it and the way it moves yeah it, it's fine um it, it you know it's a very minimal game you basically you walk into a room you can interact with three things in the room you do that it moves on yeah you do that again it moves on you know um it's kind of like it's a, it's a lot more minimal than even like firewatch is you know it, it really is cut back as a as a video game um but as an experiment I'd, I'd say it's worth playing, and I know you guys are all interested in that sort of stuff. So I'd check it out. Um, I'd love to know what you think that story is about. I really <laughs> wouldn't. There are certain bits to do with her. I don't want to say too much because it is all about that in a way, so I don't want to spoil it. But there are certain elements to do with the kind of grounded elements of the investigation she's on that make a lot of sense. Uh, and they're really interesting and moving. And it does this thing with a false ending. Uh, at one point where I was really swept along with it and like, oh my God, I can't believe this is where they're taking it. And then I was disappointed because it wasn't the end. And it was like, actually, oh no, that was all a thing. And it's maybe aliens, but maybe not. 
Um, so <laughs> definitely inspired by the X Files. For, for example, the partner she's assigned to is in the basement of the FBI building, much like Mulder was. You know, there are some big nods to the X Files in this. Um, but at the same time, I think they're implying that all the supernatural elements are bullshit, and it's actually more grounded, kind of like the way Firewatch went. But you know, I don't know. Play it. Tell me what you think. It's uh, it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, but that that's very pretty. Yeah, it's got, a, it's Sorry, got an I interesting... Just, just watched watch the trailer in the background. It looks, that looks really pretty. Uh, quite interesting. I'll add that to mm. my list. No, it's the music is, is brilliant. The music is absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, I actually, I actually went... Uh, I think I went to Reddit and just was like, hey, guys, can somebody tell me what the fuck that was about, please? Because <laughs> I don't know. Am I missing something here? Because I, li- I just got to the end of this and I was just like, what was any of that? Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, if we're talking about video games as art and stuff like that, then we need experimental stuff that pushes the boundaries of narrative and pushes the boundaries of, of structure in video games. Cause otherwise we get really bored with the same old shit, <coughs> resident evil. Um, so, you know, there you go. <laughs> yeah. so their decision to not have any dialogue, are you, well, you basically saying it doesn't work. Like, cause the point of doing something like this is that at the end of it, you go, wow, I guess you don't need dialogue to tell a story in a game. But actually, you reached the end of it and went, man, that story would have made a lot more sense if anyone fucking said anything. Well, yeah, the great example of it working is our game of the year from last year, isn't it? Inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect example of how games don't need dialogue to work. True. This, however, I was at the end of it going, I see what you do. You know, Inside leaves enough open to interpretation. Don't get me wrong, it leaves a lot open to interpretation, actually. But at the same time, it's hard. It's an intangible almost. That worked. This didn't, I don't think. But it, it is, it's... I think inside works more because you don't miss any bits, you know, yeah. that you, you're moving through one continuous, continuous journey. And, you know, you're with the boy the whole time. Whereas in Virginia, you're cutting, you're missing bits. There are time gaps. There are just moments of like, is that a dream? Was that an acid trip? Did that really happen? And you, you just don't know. So therefore you're not sure what to infer from the experience. Um, inside is more abstract in setting anyway. So you expect there to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can dig that. That's a, that's a fair observation. Yeah, check it out though, guys. If you can pick it up cheap, which I'm sure you can nowadays, it's a, it's a brief experience, but it'd be great to hear what you thought, think about it. So I think we're coming to the end of the podcast here. But before I wrap it up, guys, is there anything anybody else wanted to touch upon this week? Uh, it's probably worth me mentioning the the one other game that I've reviewed that we were, haven't talked about is I don't even really know how to pronounce the name. I think it's Maldita Maldita Castilla EX. Um, which translates to Cursed Castle. Um, yeah, it was crap. And that's about... <laughs> that, that is why I didn't throw to you on that. It was... Yeah. So. It, well, be fair to the developer. I'm sure it, it achieved his vision. It was, you know, it was a good polished game. It was finished. It was, you know, all of that. I just... It was just a, a relic of a time gone past that I'm long bored of. Uh, so gameplay-wise, I just found it dull. Check out Joel's rule. (laughs) That one star game that he gave. So there you go. Um, Anything, anybody else? Shout out to Last Guardian, which I finished. Oh, yeah? Um, Really good ending. I won't spoil it, but it's got one of those. Oh, that's the end. Oh, that's the end. Oh, no. Oh, it's one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Last Guardian, which I bought in the sale, but have yet to start. Woo! It's worth, worth finishing off. Yeah, once I get through these these thirty other games, Rich, I promise I'll I'll start it. <laughs> then, 
Yeah, no worries. <laughs> how, about, how about you, Adam? Anything you wanted to chuck out? Well, I was about to play the dangerous game of making a joke prediction about the end of Last Guardian, but then realised that, you know, the problem with that is that you might be right or you might be wrong. And either way, it's kind of spoilers. But <laughs> yeah. it looks, you know, I, I always assumed I knew how Last Guardian ended. So <laughs> we'll discuss it later. Yes, well, I, I actually know how it ends, even though I haven't played it. So, yeah, it, right. it won't be a spoiler for me, but I, I did read about that. Because I was so sure, I was so sure bird, dog, cat thing had to die. Of course, um, right? So sure. Um, but we'll, we'll, we, will, we will talk about it a moment after, the, after we finish recording, right. which will be in a few seconds' time. Um, that has been episode 18 of Beatsby's Bits and Bobs. That was a lot of games. That was a lot of games. That might be one of the most game-packed episodes we've ever actually done. Um, man alive, that was a lot of stuff to cover. Um, but yeah, I'd say hopefully next time there'll be less to cover, but I suspect not. Um, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with another episode. By all means, follow us at BXB Games on Twitter, uh, on Facebook. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, I'm actually in the process of setting up a Beam streaming service for BXB, which will be getting integrated into Xbox One very shortly. So I'll be experimenting with Beam streaming, which is Microsoft's wow. platform shortly as well. Um, I believe they're trying to basically destroy Twitch on Xbox One, so I think that's the way they're forcing everybody to go. Um, So, yeah, that will be coming up. Um, Yeah, get onto the website as well, man. Always loads of reviews, loads of written content, loads of video content. It's where the archive for all the podcasts is easily accessible there as well, so check that out. Um, I am at DIYE on Twitter. Richard is at Colonel Red on Twitter. Adam is at Dev on Twitter, and Joel it's yet to really be a Twitter man, but that's fair enough. We we allow that. We like all sorts, even the disabled on BXB. Uh, so, <laughs> as the four middle-aged white men talk about the games. Um, so I'm going to say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.